Let there be light. In this episode, 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 this episode, in 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 this my son, Jake, and we discuss the history of the Banking with Life podcast and our practice, and we discuss highlights along the way. We had fun. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. All right, welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. In this segment, I have my youngest son, Jake, with me today, and happy to have him. Jake Nethery, many of all of our, most all of our clients know you. Yeah. I mean, you've worked with most of them. Yep. Um, so and it, and it's real, it's a real pleasure to have you here, young man. Thank you for having me. And so, uh, this is part of the 100th episode and, you know, kind of a, and what I was thinking here was we would just talk, maybe reminisce about the last couple of years that, um, that we spent shooting this podcast Yeah, and, you know, just kind of go from there. So here, kind of maybe remember, reminisce, and what's going on now, and maybe give uh, the listeners a taste of what will come in the future is kind of what I was thinking. Excellent. I'm excited about that. You know, um, we, we've talked to quite a bit about this, you know, just you and I, um, you know, in the office as well about this 100th episode. I'm excited for it because, you know, I not only a guest now on this podcast and will be in the future as well. Um, I'm also a, a listener and I love watching your podcasts. Um, I specifically really enjoy, you know, our clients when I see them, it's, it's different, right? So our clients are on and I, and I get to see them, but they have different interactions with me than they do you. Sure. You've so, already, you've already, you've, yeah. I mean, in their process of becoming a client, yeah. you've, you've spent quite a bit of time with them. Yeah, absolutely. And then a very small fraction of clients uh, come mm -hmm. on as guests, but the ones that have come on as guests, no question. You've already, you know them, they know you. Yeah. And there's a few of you I'm encouraging to, you know, become guests. Um, you know who you are. <laughs> I've, I've talked to you about it. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think each and individ every individual client has their own story to tell, but they're all very unique. Their circumstances are all very unique. Cause I think especially the more you get like in that range of types of people and you see that we have a lot of different types of clients, but they all have their own stories. They all have their own backgrounds. And it's very, it's very interesting to watch them interact with you and talk about, you know, their experiences, what led them to the infinite banking concept. I feel like um, everybody who, who does eventually find us and you know, starts watching your podcast goes down the rabbit hole at some point in time. And, you know, more power to you for that. Um, uh, not that I encourage you to go too far down the rabbit hole. Um, uh, the, <laughs> I mean, that was that was that was a negative thing. Remember, you know, Alice going down the rabbit hole, like going too far down. That was a negative thing, not a positive thing. Oh, I got it. So, like, don't you know, go too far. Just the right amount. <laughs> yeah. All roads lead to Alvarado, Texas. Yeah. No, I was talking with, um, I think I was a guest on a podcast recently, and. Um, we were kind of talking about, or that came up, and I and I pretty much shared with them that they're really kind of. It seems to me like there are really two types of uh, clients, or purchasers, or customers, or clients. You know, 
that uh, there's kind of the impulsive one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even see that in, in, a, in a marriage or a partnership where, you know, one's just ready to go. I mean, that's the impulsive. That's why all the end caps are at the grocery store. You know, there's an end cap on every aisle, right? And then all of that merchandise right there at the checkout. It's all for impulsive purchasers, mm-hmm. right? So there is that. You hear a great idea and you listen to it, somebody communicating the idea that you can become your own banker, you know, articulately. And it's like, oh, I'm all in. And then the other one, the other type is, no, I've got to research, you know, I've got to vet them. I've got to vet the idea and where'd it come from. That rabbit hole yeah. goes to Birmingham, Alabama. In my opinion, they want to find out all there is to know about Nelson. Yep. And then it leads to us yeah. quite often. And then the more impulsive type consumer, you know, they jump out there and get engaged or uh, get involved in some way, mm-hmm. maybe even going through underwriting, getting their first policy and you're into year two. And then it's they they wind up contacting us, James. We've been, you know, yeah. listening to you for over a year now and I'm looking at what you're talking about. What not to do? That's what I've done. Can you help me out? <laughs> I mean, so it happens quite a bit. Both both roads lead here, <laughs> in my opinion. Absolutely, and I, just to piggyback on what you're saying, I, I absolutely think that if you're doing your vetting, you're doing your research. Um, there are places to start and stop, and hard places to start and stop. <clears throat> I agree. Um, mm-hmm. You start with Nelson's book, and if you found us on YouTube. Fantastic. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're watching. I'm glad that you're enjoying these podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read Nelson's book yet, go read Nelson's book and then immediately get in our process and buy a policy. And then while you're, you know, in our process, you know, getting this policy, be watching the podcasts, be watching the Q&A series. I know we're we're talking and celebrating the 100th episode of your podcast, but you also have a Q&A series that is so valuable to people. And those, I mean, you really can't beat any of those episodes, um, especially those first four. Anytime clients are asking me questions, I can almost invariably point them to one of the first four episodes of your Q&A. Mm. And they can find that question and find it answered there. So, I mean, again, I, I don't want you guys to venture f- too far out there because I can't I can't tell you what's good out there on the big wide web. I can't tell you what's bad out there. I can if you specifically ask me, but like it, just in this podcast form, like it's very hard for me to like, okay, these are the people you should watch. These are the people you shouldn't watch, you know, on and on and on like that. Um, so if you are interested in the infinite banking concept, you know, start your research with the, you know, Nelson Nash's book, you know, the infinite banking concept, um, becoming your own banker. I mean, becoming your own banker is where you need to start. Unlock the infinite banking concept. Like, start there. And right. then, you know, <laughs> keep watching the podcast. Start watching the Q&A series. Go see some of James's, um, his live, you know, performances that he's done. Um, performance. It was entertaining. Yeah, no. Their presentations. Yeah, yeah. yeah those live, performance, yeah. Those live, yeah, uh, presentations <clears throat> are very valuable. And then, of course, you know, Nelson says, you know, don't wait. Like, there's no time to wait. Absolutely. Get to it. You know, the, uh, the, the videos that were released early on, the presentations that you're speaking of, they were not recorded to be released on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they were recorded for our clients only and originally for just 
um, more or less training for ourselves, right? <laughs> you know, what are you saying? Are you accurate? You know, does it make sense? Um, are you fire hosing the listener? Um, you know, just trying to convey the idea that you can become your own banker. And then as the, you know, the younger generations start, you know, working here, you know, mm. practice, like, no, this stuff needs to live on YouTube and, you know, I'm and I'm like, no, I shouldn't put it out there for free. Shouldn't we put tripwires and, you know, shouldn't you have a big funnel? And um, so and I'm just saying that those were if if we would have recorded those to release on YouTube for social media, you know, they might have been done a little bit differently. You know, more of the uh, details of the whatever the content that I was going over it would have been more prevalent, maybe. Hmm. But. Um, at the end of the day, if you listen, I think I can communicate pretty clearly. If you listen, I think you can understand what I'm pointing out, you know, so. Absolutely. I appreciate and, you saying that. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do encourage people to go to our website as well, you know, bankingwithlife.com. Because, I mean, especially after you become a client, there's client-only access. And again, teasing you guys here but you need to become clients of ours because there's client only access and the videos on there are so powerful i mean you have you know features from nelson nash from james and i mean you have long form uh presentations long form you know uh performances as i have said um and there's for, more i mean we're yeah. we're we work you know daily uh from dang near mm -hmm. sun up to sundown daylight to dark I mean, because at the end of the day, it's really all we do is promote this idea. We're working with clients. We're taking care of clients, new clients, existing clients, yeah. and then creating content for our clients. Um, because we're all surrounded by the noise. And I know, mm -hmm. you know, in, in our clients, I like to believe that they know how to identify the noise that exists. And it does exist. And the very reason that I even rail on the noise is because... Um, you'll save yourself a lot of time and heartache by bypassing the noise. Um, and money, too. You'll save a lot of money by bypassing that noise. <laughs> you really will. Um, and so, too, that, that's also the reason, you know, for the content and for the client-only content. I mean, I want our clients to enjoy things that, no one else in the big wide world can when it comes to the infinite banking concept. Not that I want to withhold the truth from everyone, but, you know, look, I talk to agents weekly. Mm -hmm. Agents across the country call weekly. I don't serve as a training program for agents, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I do want our clients to feel like they've got something that you can't get anywhere else. And... Yep. We actually deliver that. Absolutely. And at a very high level, too. Right. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So is there um, any, like, the Q&A, the first four? Oh, yeah. Um, are there any like, other episodes or guest episodes? And I know you can't mention all the guests by name. Yeah. And, you know, we appreciate every guest that we've had. And we appreciate all of our clients. But, you know, sometimes... You know, uh, a guest or a message would resonate with you more than others or stand out. Yeah. Are there any, um, not to put you on the spot. No, thank you. 
Are there any guests that stand out or episodes that stand out? Absolutely. Um, you know, for different reasons, right? You know, the Wayne Jet series is fantastic that you did. If you haven't watched the Wayne Jet series, I mean, go watch that series. That's a fantastic series. Um, you know, that's that's one place to start, but you need to read his book too. I mean, that'll help with understanding the series. The Fruits um, of Graph. Yep. So, uh, of course, you know, his series. Um, when you're talking about, you know, to clients or to people who are prospective clients, um, people who are interested in, you know, uh, multi-generational wealth transfers, things like that. I mean, you, you got to look at, you know, Michelle and Junior's podcast. They have a podcast, mm. Michelle and Junior. Um Look at Brian Mulvaney's too. That guy does it at a very high level. And um, so, I, I mean, yeah, there, there's quite a few. Uh, of course, Nelson's podcasts. I don't know if people know because they don't look that far back, but some of the first podcasts you did were with Nelson. So, yeah. I mean, you need to see Nelson Nash and you need to hear that man and what he has to say. Everything that man has said um, on camera that I've seen, and even off camera, super powerful. So, I mean... That's something you guys have to go check out. Nelson Nash's podcast with my dad. That Those, those are awesome. Yeah. Um, those were fun. Yeah. I like, you know, I like them all, but Michelle and Junior. Mm -hmm. Talk about an even distribution of age classes. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm not going to tell her story. It exists, but yeah. <clears throat> she's an XL ninja, excuse me. And and uh, we brought her in to educate us, the office, on, you know, XL. And, you know, the like the third-party software that, is very prevalent in the footprint of the infinite banking concept how to get out of debt with life insurance policies. That's just one thing that can be done. Um, but I went down that road, mm -hmm. you know, and brought her in. We learned, we improved our understanding of Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> and we were taking cases, mm -hmm. actual clients, actual policies, through the spreadsheet to show, to demonstrate how quickly you could get out of debt. And this is over 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. This is 11, I believe, years ago now. And so Michelle was doing those. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, after uh, several cases, she called and she said, James, can is this true? Can you really do this? And I'm like, so she understood. She's a legitimate XL ninja. Mm -hmm. But what she didn't know was the nuance of life insurance and cash values, loan values, and all those kinds of things. Um, so I said, yeah, of course you can do that. I mean, that's what you're doing. You know, those are actual policies, actual cases, actual debts. And she was, shortly after that, she called and she said, James, I uh, want to do this. My husband and I want to do this. And I've run all of our debt through this. And we can be out of debt in such and such amount of time if we can get this done. And that's how she became a client. Yeah. That's how they became clients. Um, but then, and then years later, a couple of years back from today, this is 2021, September. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how long Brian has been a client. Yeah. A couple of years, two yeah. years, three years. Yeah. Um, and he's getting it done, even distribution of age classes. And I don't want to tell his story too. That, that episode is out there. Yeah. Um, but he said when he's seen it and he he's he's like, James, we've been doing this. We have practiced family banking. Mm -hmm. The missing component was the life insurance policy and what can be done with that practicing banking. So it was just uh, natural for him. And I don't know. And I don't want to, you know, divulge too much, but he's on his fourth or fifth generation 
him, children, grandchildren. Okay, fourth generation. So third, yeah. three generations yep. active right now, and the fourth will be um, in short order, and really the fifth by the time, you know, because everybody, nobody's getting out of here alive. Okay, everybody's yep. going to graduate. So He's it, a young man still, very young man still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're looking out into the future, no question. But he will what the work that he's done and put in place today yeah. will absolutely affect the fourth and fifth generation if he stopped expanding today. And by the time it's all said and done for him, he'll like <clears throat> Nelson see four or five generations out and have uh, policies out four or five generations out. I just talked to David this morning. David Stearns, his Nelson son-in-law. And they're just celebrating their ninth grandbaby. My God! So that would have been a great, great, right? For Nelson. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy to think about, though. Right. Your great grandchildren. And David's, I mean, still a relatively young man. So, um, hey, like, <laughs> take it easy on uh, David. I love uh -huh. David. <laughs> he's, probably not, he's probably not, I don't know how far we're in, but, you know, I like to, I like to bring up, uh, what do you call them eggs or i like to say things in the middle of a fat in, in the middle of a podcast 15 20 minutes in because then you really know who's listening that's right right so no nah, yeah and, and david from what i know he, he watches the podcast quite a bit as well and um I, I hope he does hear that you know we love him and he can't get away from it because every time they interview a new perspective uh practitioner like well how'd you hear about us well james's podcast <laughs> Hey, we are big promoters of the Nelson Nash Institute. We love Nelson Nash Institute. We love no David Stearns and Carlos and Bob, everybody. So, um, yeah, no. It, it, I don't want to turn this into a love fest for no. life insurance companies. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> All right. And so uh, those are some clients, right? Absolutely. And, you, you know, talking about the future, what, you know, we want to look at and what we want to see, Right. I know I'm going to be on the podcast more and I hope other people from our office are on the podcast as well. Um, they all have their own unique experiences. Um, even people who aren't practicing the infinite banking concept, you know what they hear about it, what they see. Now I know a lot of the people in our office are practicing the infinite banking concept. The ones um, that have been here the longest all do. Um, even some of the newer ones, newer ones are yeah, yeah. absolutely. Has I mean, their you whole can families. only be around the truth for so long. <laughs> yeah. Out feeling like you're left out if you don't participate, all right? Mm -hmm. I think the only people who don't participate participate haven't truly read Nelson's book because I think a lot of people they, they look. Is at there somebody and, in our office that hasn't read Nelson's book? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd love I'd love to say that you know everybody's read Nelson's Andrew, book. Andrew, have you read Nelson's book? Yeah, twice. Twice. Okay, twice. you'd be the only Good one answer. that I would side eye. No, no, no. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't have guessed him. I I, I guess that he's because I mean again he's been around us for so long, um, and you know the podcast. He's of course been he's read it. Years, yeah. yeah, of course he's read it. I, I'm thinking some of the newer people probably haven't read it. Um, okay, yeah, fair enough. They yeah, they're brand new. Yeah, but yeah. but you know when they hear about the concept and things like that, I, I'm sure you know some of the first things they think about is you know well. I'm probably uninsurable or you have to be, you know, so great in health. It's like, no, not at all. Um, that's why they have substandard rate classes. And that's why there's, you know, a list of them. Um, you know, they usually, I don't you know, table two to table, whatever they have. So, I mean, we place people at very low table ratings. I mean, like, you know, table 10. I mean, golly, absolutely. We've placed table 10 before. 
Have we? What yeah. Table J with some companies, table 10. Mm. Well, too, when you think life insurance, you think, oh, I've got to be preferred or super preferred. And then you have these companies out there that quote unquote table shave. Oh, my gosh. Um, air quotes that uh, that are really just weakening the company. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you're an owner of the company, and you should be if they're mutual companies, the policy owners, the owner of the company. You don't necessarily want table shaves. Now, you want every credit possible given to the mm-hmm. prospective client. That's right. Um, and so there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But if, um, and that can create some kind of a health situation. Is it temporary? Is it permanent? And I don't know. The amount of time you spend trying to make that medical condition go away. You're having birthdays. Um, and it. So my point here is, if you're insurable, it almost doesn't matter what the rating is. Almost. Yeah. You can have such a high rating that, you know, the premium will never even catch up with the death benefit. That's not really going to work out for anyone, right? Um, But if you're insurable, you should start with yourself and then look around. And it goes right back to an even distribution of age classes, page 71 and 72. You know, if you look at that and you read it, a couple of times and let that sink in, you can make that more efficient than Nelson did. And he told you how to do it. Yeah. Right. And so if you had the opportunity to hear him and listen, you would know. Um, If you haven't had the opportunity, you call me. I know how to make that more efficient. Why do companies table shave? Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a barometer of business, right? So a life insurance company is like any other business in the, quote unquote, free market. They exist to, number one, make a profit for the owners, and they do that by providing a service. That's capitalism, right? Um, Okay, so the mutual company, they can only raise money through new policies and then surplus bonds, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. right, um, on this podcast. Um, So if I want to put more business on the books, I'll table shave. Right. Mm-hmm. And make it easier for policies to be issued. Yeah. If I want to put the brakes on business, then I won't table shave. And I might scrutinize it a little bit more difficult. Now, I don't want to sound flippant that these companies are wishy-washy. They are not. All right. There's underwriting guidelines and they stick to them. Yep. But there's a, and I'm not an underwriter, right? But there's a debit and a credit system and they try to place good business. Mm-hmm. So, if you have somebody that's uber super preferred and then, you know, they've gone through a period for whatever reason that their cholesterol's up. I don't know. Maybe they've gone all keto or something, right? And their cholesterol goes up. Um, you know, there's a way that they can legitimately offer yeah, uh, maybe a, a, a better table than what they would actually qualify for right then. And that's just one example. Um, How does that it, hurt the, the, the consumer table shaving? It doesn't hurt the consumer, and well, unless you're a policyholder, right? That's what I'm that, about, yeah. That, yeah. So if I'm a policyholder and I'm a policyholder of a mutual company, and you are table shaving, giving a higher rating than an individual applicant would actually qualify for, then that means your mortality charges and experiences are manipulated. Yeah. Right. And so if I give a bunch of table, you know, D, E, and F, H, I, and J, 
applicants, you know, a, a better rating, standard, table B, table C, my mortality is going to go up mm -hmm. comparatively. And those, so they're putting more risk on the books. I mean, why would they want to put more risks on the, more risk on the books? Well, that's a great question because maybe they're going to demutualize in the future and Ooh. they want to get their revenues up and they look good. And then the, <laughs> the only companies that buy those, uh, the mutual companies that have taken more risk on than they should, the risk is going to happen in the future, right? The, the popper will be paid. Yep. And so, look, that happens right out of Cleveland, Ohio. You know, a lot of U.S. life insurance companies looked at that company that demutualized so a Canadian hedge fund or actually a private equity group could buy them. And why did all the U.S. companies jump right over that? They were looking at the future risk. Yep. Right. So... <laughs> At the end of the day, um, there was a reason why insurance companies weren't buying that that company, and it wasn't wasn't going to be something that was profitable for them in the future. And, and the long haul, right? And it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the client, the consumer. So if they're table shaving for you now, in the future, as risk goes up, right? They're not going to be paying out nearly as much. Well, the mortality is going to happen sooner. They're going to pay it out because, uh, but but the mortality yeah. happens sooner. Yeah. Right. And so it was missed mispriced it was not priced yeah. appropriately all life insurance is properly priced that's right unless you um you know massage that right unless you move uh the goalpost so if i'm standard i should pay the price of a standard rating yeah if you give me super preferred and I promise you, I'm standard. I'm fat for a reason. I like to eat. Okay. Um, if you give me super preferred, I'm going to die at a standard mortality. Right? So I'm not going to live long enough to pay those premiums that a, yeah. a longer living super preferred person would pay. Yeah. So there's going to be a comparative loss to the company. Oh, wait a minute. I'm an owner of the company if I'm a policyholder of a mutual company. So you are indirectly hurting yourself. Exactly. So we could we could probably dive deep into that in some future podcast episode. Episode, yeah. And I, I look forward to doing that. I know we're doing a shorter one here because you know this is episode one hundred. You're going to see a lot more guests than just me on here. So I, you know, I'm excited to you know watch the episode and everything like that. So, uh, but I will be on in the future. I'm sure uh, very soon I'll be on. Um, and then even more. Well, we've already that, shot. He said very soon because we've already shot it, right? Yeah, we, we know. It's, I know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to Wayne Jett this morning. He's gonna. I'm gonna record with him this coming Friday, which means it'll be a. I don't know. Several weeks before it's released. I love but, it. You know. First series was fantastic. His second series will be too. Um, and then you know more people in the future as well. I know. Um, at the end of the day. We're starting where we're at, and this is 100 podcasts in, but there's going to be 200 podcasts. There's going to be 300 podcasts. Hopefully. 400, 500. Yeah. We got we'll, the time. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to be, I want to be just like my mentor. He graduated at age 88 with three unfinished projects that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. His mentor graduated at age 85, the night before he was going to deliver a speech in New York. Busy men is what I'm saying mm -hmm. um but yeah i think that uh we're gonna have we're, we're gonna have we're gonna continue to have guests uh 
that are clients and then guests that are not clients. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue to do the Q&A. We're going to continue, you know, to have Ryan, of course, and then you and then Jules, she'll be on and potentially some of the other staff just as an introduction. Yeah. You know, our clients know our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to meet our team, it's an opportunity to become a client. I'm just saying. I know that like when people come into the office, which is rarer today than it used to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jules gives them the grand tour and they love it. She loves it. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, she takes everybody around and introduces them to the team. And um, if you're a client and you haven't had the opportunity to come in, you don't get that. Yeah. So we're going to create um, a tour. You know, Virtual tour virtual tour and so we're just trying to be creative you know we want to be entertaining we want to be educational um and we want to be mainly educational so we're going to continue i think we're going to add in kind of a short form you know because some of these episodes go really long but it just gives you the the listener the opportunity to hear something long form um, and you can start and stop it at your leisure, at your will. So I don't want to cookie cut and put out, you know, videos or episodes that are five minutes or eight minutes or hard 10 minutes. You can get a lot said in five, eight and 10 minutes if we're going to do some of that, but not at the expense of a long play. So yeah. I don't know. The future's bright and, uh, and I'm excited to, uh, enjoy it. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it as well. Okay. Is that it? That's it. We're All 30 right. minutes now. Oh, look, there's always a timekeeper, right? All right, well, listen, thanks for uh, stopping, Jake. I appreciate you. Um, So. Well, thanks for having me. Look forward to more in the future. You're welcome. All right. See you, babe. A little bit of shake. There you go. 30 minutes. And bake. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. (laughs) Shake and bake, Ricky. Now, here's some featured guests from over the years. Well... Uh, the book's done rather well. It's in 31 countries and changed the lives of lots and lots of people. So Most of them you'll never meet. Sure. Right. Yeah. But it's pretty gratifying uh, to have them call and say, you changed my life. He said, no, I didn't change your life. You saw something of value and you changed. Uh-huh. Without you, it didn't happen. That uh, back then, my North Carolina days, when I was a uh, forester, uh, at one time I was president of the Chamber of Commerce. Well, that meant that uh, I got to uh, select the speaker for the annual meeting. Well, being an airplane driver, I picked William Piper, Piper Aircraft Company. Uh, he's about eighty. Two years ago, that time, and I was about thirty. I mean, what an experience to spend you and me time with a guy like that. So, anyway, uh, we had fun uh, just visiting. But uh, one of the messages he got uh, across to our group was, he says, uh, "You have a telephone, big deal. If somebody else doesn't have a telephone, you don't have a thing." All right, what's the message? You may have the best message in the world, 
You may have the best delivery system in the world. You may have the best technique in the world. But if you don't have a receptive listener, you don't have a thing. So the magic out there is that people see this vision and catch on. Guys like James Nethery. This is how to totally control the money factor in your life. In a place that cannot inflate it. But you've got to get across the, get across the message to the next generation. Well, what are they exposed to out there? Noise. Yeah, the hostile environment, big time. So you got to be patient uh, with them and so forth. And you got to, well, you got to think, okay, you know, uh, there's some people that will never catch on. And you can't help it. But, you know, you just have to recognize that you can't force feed this sort of stuff. You can't inject it into their brains. They have to catch it. They have to be fertile soil, receptive to superior seeds. Now, uh, you know, when you do this sort of stuff out there, you, you're going to run into some superior people. And you know lots of them that I'm talking about there. You know, the, with all the books that you've read, good grief. Can you imagine what it was like to have Leonard Reed as your personal friend and mentor? And yeah, no. <laughs> sit and jaw with him like this and such, and that you could pick up the phone and call him, and if he didn't have something pressing, that he would take time and talk to you and yeah. so forth. I mean, God. Like, I think it's, I'm as close to that as any uh, living man today could be. Yeah. Okay. I got your phone number. <laughs> well, well, well. I'm, all I'm doing is gathering seeds and trying to find sort of fertile soil in which to plant them. That's all. Right, right. But you got to understand that uh, you plant the superior seeds in fertile soil, but you're also going to get weeds. Yeah. And you got to recognize weeds. Well, if you get rid of the dang weeds, then the, the Superior stuff stand out like a sore thumb. Well, how complicated can this be? Good Lord. But therein lies the problem. People love to complicate things, don't they? Well, why? I don't understand. What you're doing is more important than what the, your financial advisor is doing for you. You're not watching a, your, your mutual fund portfolio on a daily basis. You're managing your, your policies, right? And so we wanted to provide these the public a resource so they can manage their policies correctly. Well, the the big discriminator was there. Who is going to design their policies for them? So NNI needed to vet and train insurance agents as that part of that resource for the public, right? And that's why that's why you're here, James, because you were one of our first guys. I think you know we have we have uh, uh, practitioner reference numbers and your number. Zero zero one. 001. 001. I'm very proud of that. And I just want you to know. Everybody else is alphabetical, by the way, but no. <laughs> you know, Nelson, as of today, is 87 years old. Okay. He thinks he's going to live forever, even though he, he he's planning on like he's going to die today. And uh, with a zero balance in his estate. Right. But uh, anyway, you know. Nelson's persona, I think, is is what really uh, got infinite banking where it is. His his you could tell his genuine passion 
for what he did and how he did it and why he did it, both the insurance side of him, the forester side of him, and the Austrian side of him. Okay, so that persona, you know, you have some of it, some of that passion, and I have a little bit of it, okay, because, I, you know, whatever. But really, I think it's, we think it's incredi incredibly important to keep that whole package moving forward for the next generation, okay? So instead of selecting individuals to do that, we, we're trying to create this entity that under the under the guidance of, of passionate direction, we'll keep it going, in the, you know, for, for your children, your grandchildren, and the next generation of insurance agents also. Because, you know, without a mutual insurance company or mutual holding company and trained life insurance agents, then how can you implement IBC without, the, without those resources? You personally have practiced um, the infinite banking concept a long time. I, I have. Uh, now, I was a, I was a, a tough nut to crack because, after all, I had, a, I had a degree in economics, a Ph.D., and one of my areas of specialization was finance. And, um, you know. <laughs> well, you, you had a head start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when Nelson's first trying to explain uh, his, his infinite banking concept to me, and I'm like, you know, huh? <laughs> I've always heard you, you you buy term and you invest the rest. And, you know, here I was, I, I kind of knew, you know, that uh, trying to save and for things that you wanted was a good idea. You know, I knew that. Right. And, and so I'm trying to do it the old fashioned way through the market, right? So... You know, I'm trying to get a rate of return through a mutual fund, but I'm getting taxed on the return, and I'm not making any headway whatsoever to be able to outright purchase like an automobile or anything like that. And um, so now Nelson's like, Paul, I got a better way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and I started looking at it, and I, I thought, you know. I, I know Nelson, you know, he's a voracious reader. He's a, he understands economics pretty well. And, um, and on paper, I, you know, I look at it and I go, well, yeah, this, is, this would work. I mean, it's a long-term strategy, but I kind of like that. You know, he saves little by little, makes it grow. And so I can, you know, I kind of got that. And, and so I just, uh, you know, I, I stuck my toe in the water. That was hard, too, at first for me to do so, but, um, but I did, and boy, that I tell you, that first policy today, man, I've used that so much. I meet Nelson. We, I've been driving all over Texas. The, you know, um, business iteration has changed, or the business kind of develops, um, and here we are inviting Nelson Nash to Fort Worth, Texas, mm -hmm. and. And, and of course, we had already purchased and we started too small, like everybody does. After 14 years in the life insurance business, I'm starting too small. All right. But so we have a couple of policies going. Nelson's coming to town. And I really didn't understand what we were doing or why we were doing it necessarily. And so every time he came to town, I'm buying more life insurance and you've got to give blood or I've got to give blood and. I don't know if it was a fourth or fifth policy that we purchased, mm -hmm. but I said, well, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to buy another policy. 
and you literally got angry with me mm-hmm. and you said, where are we going to get the money? And I said, I don't know. That and, was not the right answer. <laughs> and you got even more angry. Yeah. It was, I mean, you were legitimately mad at me or yeah. angry. Yeah, I was because, well, for several different reasons. I mean, number one, I really didn't understand what you were doing and why you were doing it. And my mindset at the time, you know, if this was before Riley, I can't remember, you know. I It's right there. You know, I know I wanted to have a baby. I had that biological clock a ticking. Um, <laughs> and I also had seen friends that had new homes and new fancy stuff and new cars and and fun vacations and everything. And, you know, here you wanted to put the money that we could put towards something like that into life insurance. Tell us about the Mickey Mouse plan. Well, this is, this is a true story. And I was thinking about this. um, I was in California last week. I was thinking about is that uh, when Walt Disney uh, around 1952, thereabouts, uh, James, uh, at the time, you know, Walt Disney had this vision that he was going to have a clean theme park and uh, with, di- with distribution rides and no liquor or anything like that, no carnies. And everyone said, Walt, you can't, you can't set an amusement park as a, as a clean place. And you have to have bars and all this, you know, the carnies and all this crazy stuff. Everyone thought he was crazy. Yeah. They said, you were nuts. And so he, he was turned down by his brother and his investment banks, uh, bankers, because he, he still was raising money at Wall Street, and everyone turned him down. Uh, so what Walt Disney did is he had a house, dessert, a, um, a second home, uh, like in Palm Springs, uh, California, and he sold that for cash, and he had some loyal employees lend him some money, but the major funding for the Disney uh, Disneyland in Anaheim uh, came from a life insurance policy. So if there wasn't uh, Walt Disney's a huge, uh, it was a, it was a huge uh, loan back then. It was like a two hundred thousand dollar loan. So wow. think about that today, James. Wow. Was, so he was spending, you know, hundreds of thousands of premiums back then. In the day before we could do all this telecommunication here, video conference and all that, they used to call it, right? You remember how we? If I had to call you in Texas from over here. I had to dial one in your area code, and yep. I had to pay a, a fee. What was that fee called? I don't remember. Long distance, right? Oh, yeah, long distance. Yeah, yeah. and so the big company, AT&T. So there's a company in Mississippi, MCI WorldCom. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I put my entire savings, James, $25,000 into the stock market, and that and my good friend sold me that stock. He, their company was from Mississippi. So I had to put that in my entire savings at the time that I'd saved from selling books. It went up to 45000 and I probably should have sold it then, right? Sure. I was on top of the world. He said, no, hold on. It's going to get better. It's going it to a million. <laughs> it's going to 75. That's what he told me. Yeah. Right? You know how much I got? They went to zero. Lost it all. Lost it Every all. penny. Uh, we've had the global cabal revealed to us, but not through our media. Uh, you have to look in the right places to find about uh, its influence and its control over America. Its influence and control over both our political parties. 
uh, as of 1880 or thereabouts, uh, it's well reported that uh, the global cabal decided it had to control not just one of our political parties, but both political parties. And they have certainly uh, had great success in doing that uh, at practically all times. Uh, whenever they do not control the president, uh, they have uh, disposed of him uh, ordinarily by assassination. It's 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 a passion project, uh, certainly what we're doing with the Tuttle Twins. And the the origin story for me is kind of fun because here I am working in, in politics, changing laws, doing all this stuff. And my kids, you know, I would come home every day and I'd be like, hey, what do you guys do today? And always trying to learn from them, you know, what, what their day was like. And my oldest at the time, he was five. And every once in a while, he would reciprocate the question. Well, what did you do, daddy? And I was like, how do I talk about what I do to a five-year-old? You know, like I type on computers, like you can dumb it down a lot. But I found myself wanting to share with my kids the values I hold, the things I believe in, what I work on, uh, what pays the bills. And, um, and so a buddy of mine uh, had the same feeling, um, the same circumstance. And, uh, and so we were talking about this. I went on Amazon even trying to find books that would like teach free markets and so forth. The kids, there was nothing. So he and I teamed up. He's the illustrator and I'm the author. And, um, and we just said, heck, let's do a fun little book just to like test it out, see if anyone is interested. And a lot of people were interested. So to us, that was kind of a market signal that there's some demand here, some un unserved, uh, you know, markets that we can kind of lean into and provide some value to. And so we haven't looked back since it's, it's been tons of fun. What the heck is this 10th amendment center? Uh, it's an organization that was founded actually back in 2006. So, uh, Bolden goes back a little bit before you and I, Michael Bolden is the founder and executive director. And really we do two things. One of the main things that we do is education. We talk about the Constitution. We teach the Constitution. We talk about originalism. What did the Constitution mean when it was ratified? Because if you go back to that point, that is what it's supposed to mean today. That's basics of contract law. Uh, you know, when you agree to a contract, the two parties agreeing to it, that's kind of the 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 meaning and the force that that contract has. So we talk about the Constitution, and, and it becomes very apparent very quickly that the vision that the founders had is quite different from what we have today in terms of our system of government. I think James Madison probably summed up the uh, intent of the constitutional system in Federalist 45 when he said the powers delegated to the federal government by this constitution are few and defined. And those which remain with the states and the people are numerous and indefinite. Now, obviously, today we have the exact opposite. We have a federal government that is exercising numerous and indefinite powers and, and the states and the people are, we've seen to have been relegated to few and defined, but that's not what was intended. <laughs> and, and Madison went on and he explained that uh, the intent of the federal government, it was supposed to be dealing with things like war, peace, foreign trade. And he said all of the things that had to do with the internal improvements and prosperity of the states and the people, that was supposed to be left at the state and local level. So really the system that was proposed that was intended was a decentralized system where power was dispersed throughout various uh, departments of government with the federal government having very little. And that's really fundamentally why I'm involved in this work. I believe that centralized power is the biggest threat 
to our liberty. Making her first appearance on the Banking with Life podcast is my wonderful sister, Julie. Welcome, Julie. Thank you, and I'm excited to be invited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is a, you know part of the 100th episode in this section. What? It's the 100th episode? That's why I'm here. Okay, I'll be right back. Don't move. Keep rolling, Andrew. I'll be right back. This is uh, all her. Of course, it's never scripted. This is surely not scripted, so. Uh, okay. We'll be surprised together. <laughs> yeah, it's a really big office. You had to walk all the way up front, through the corridor. Over there. Texas, you gotta have a cowbell in Texas. 100th episode. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't you just love that? That just that makes me think of the uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh. Episode with Will Ferrell. You know more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> when they're singing. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's up with the cowbell? What's well, so we're in Texas, right? And it's our hundredth episode. And I thought, I mean, it's just appropriate. Okay. It's for all you. People north of the Red River. I'm pumped. Thanks for having me. You look great today. Thank you. I feel great. You look very lovely. <laughs> well, as, thank you. As always, you know, your earrings match your shirt. That's, yes. It's almost like you planned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm told to wear pink every day, but my friend said pink's a good color for me. So. Oh, okay. Well, you yeah. look good in any color. Thank you, James. You're welcome. <clears throat> so, listen, there's a little bit of a background. You know, of course, she's my sister. Uh, she's known me my whole life. Right, I've known her my whole life. Anyway, um, been, you know, work. So we've worked together for how many years? I don't. Long so this time. is my fifteenth year for. Shut the front door. I know it can't be possible, but it is. Um, so fifteen years working full time with you, for you, and then before that. You know, I've set your appointments for long time. <laughs> long time. <laughs> Back in the day when I was Back driving all over Texas, mm -hmm. you know, 10 scheduled appointments a day. Yeah. All right. Always said I could outwork them and have. Yes. Um, okay. So you set appointments, you know, back in the day and then came full time like 15 years or so ago. Yes. Um, and pretty much, you know, <clears throat> what do you have a title here? A title? Mm -hmm. Oh, in the yes. Um, I wear hats of many. She wears all the hats. So <laughs> the, hats. the bottom line, you know, if you call our office, you know, uh, Linda, you know, somebody will answer the phone. You, you answer the phone, too. Yeah, but sometimes um, you, all of our clients know her and love her. And if you don't know her, you have an opportunity, you know, to become a client, get to know her. Um, but really, you're kind of like the. The, you wear a lot of hats, you know, the team coordinator. I mean, you can't even really put everything you do in a title. There's no question. Yes, but that's kind of what, you know, I'm the Banking with Live team coordinator, just, you know, to coordinate um, people that are calling in, um, moving through our process. You know. We actually have a process. We have a process. Mm -hmm. And we, um, it's a good process. And so, and then also I'm like kind of your right hand, you know, I manage your schedule and new agents coming on board with us, um, getting them licensed, and then primarily, you know, schedule scheduling, and then when people call in, I get to talk to everybody. That's right. Yeah, I love that. I do too. 
Yeah. Just you generally talk to them first. Yeah. So, and so this is, look, the hundredth episode of uh, Banking with Life. And you're going to be uh, a guest more frequently, right? Because we're going to, you know, do bigger and better things. And, uh, you know, and I'm excited about that. So. Me too. But a hundredth episode, you know, Nelson, he's been gone for a couple of years now. And if you've been here 15, so, mm-hmm. I mean, you you really, you did all of the, uh, well, of course, I met Nelson about 16 years ago, but it was a, I don't, I can't recall how long after, you know, that I met Nelson that we began hosting him here, North Texas. Uh, but, and, and I'm saying all that to say this, right? Um, she would put together the event. She she is still the event coordinator. Oh yeah, <laughs> we just haven't done a lot of outside events because mm. of the the narrative that's going on in the world today and the crushing of the economy. Um, so venues are maybe they're opening up now. But so you were the event coordinator, yep. and still are. We just haven't done a live <clears throat> event in a while outside. You know. But they're going to come back, aren't they, on the schedule to come back? I hope so. I miss seeing people and, you know, the fellowshipping and just coming together. And a lot of people ask about that, you know, those um, quite regularly. You know, when when, when are we going to, you know, get together? And even people are requesting you to travel out to uh, their state. So that's some exciting times, and I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully, you know, we have a venue picked out already. I mean, we're Here, ready to go. Mm-hmm. In Texas? Yes. Is it the same one? We had a venue scheduled right before yeah. COVID, mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. And it's a great, it's actually in a, on a medical campus. Right. And it has the, I don't know what you call it, but it's like a lecture auditorium for physicians. You know, it's like big stage down there and it's low and it's an amphitheater kind of. It's pretty cool. It is very cool. Um, but we had one scheduled there and then. In May of last year. And they they couldn't do that. They closed that down. Yes. But listen, if we can't get it going in Texas, I mean, I'm willing to travel. Florida is like, I don't know. White sands, blue water. (laughs) (laughs) I'm interested. (laughs) All right. So um, what do you want to talk about? Well, I was just going to say, you know, encourage people to call us, you know, reach out to us. and Why would somebody call us, Jules? Well, just because, you know, there's a lot of information out in the big wide world of youtube right there's a lot of people out in the big wide world of youtube and you know as you're vetting people or as you're learning the concept and wanting to reach out to someone i think you should call us you know put us on your list if not first you know somewhere in there and um no we go to the top of the list It's like, well, well, let's talk about that for a minute. So if somebody called, you know, and you 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 spoke, you're speaking with them, you're talking mm-hmm. to them, and they said, hey, Jules, I'm just calling around, you know, four or five different, you know, people and, and you know, send me some illustrations. And um, do we, what do you, how would you normally handle that? Well, that doesn't happen as often as it used to. Mm-hmm. So I think that we've got that message out there, you know, that we don't just send illustrations. So... Um, that's not our protocol. You know, that's not part of our process. And half the time, or most of the time, they don't know what they're looking at. You know, it's a bunch of numbers on a page, and we're more personable than that, and we want to educate them. Okay, so we don't send out illustrations. What if What if it's like, you know, 
I've got a call scheduled next Tuesday with so-and-so, and I've already had two calls, and I want to schedule a call with you. How would you handle that? Well, you can call us after you've talked to so-and-so and so-and-so. That's how we do that. You know, we So, actually, if you're in somebody's process right. currently, just go ahead and just complete ahead that and, process. Mm-hmm. Either you're going to become a client or with them, or you're going to agree that, you know, you're not going to become a client. Right? Right. So, and I, I'm just, I'm just, sure. you know, kicking things around. I think you should call our office if you want to practice becoming your own banker and you want to do it in a, in a correct manner that suits you, customized, tailored, you know, handcrafted for you and your family. There's no better place on the face of the earth, in my opinion. And I've got both feet on the ground. I'm just like the best infinite banking policies in North America come through this office. Or in the U.S. I mean, we don't practice in Canada. We do have Canadian clients, and so there's a way. But um, if you're buying infinite banking policies in the United States, the best ones come through here. And I'm, you know, very proud of that. So, okay. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to turn this into a big sales fest. So. Right, right. Well, and then I also try to encourage them, or I do encourage them, you know, because people aren't always just needing um, infinite banking or life insurance, they're, they have strategic planning. I mean, they are requiring more than a life insurance policy. <sighs> and so they're actually in retirement planning or they're either in the preservation stage or they're in the distribution stage sometimes of their life. I had a guy call today, 73, you know, is this really something I can do? And I just encouraged him, yes. Absolutely. So he said, call me next week uh, or the week after, excuse me, because he's going on his first vacation of his lifetime. He's never been on it. Right. And I said, well, where are you going? And he said, Montana. And I said, "Okay." So he's from Idaho. And so I don't know what there is to do in Montana. But I said, have fun. Have fun. And um, he's going to. You know, fill out our fast track form and I'm going to reach out to him when he gets back. And so I'm very excited about that. And so he, you know, he indicated to me that he's tired of paying taxes, you know, 40 years of bad investment advice is what those are his exact words. And he's just done what he's been taught to do. And here he is now in his 70s. And really would like to implement this concept. He just doesn't know how. Yeah, and so it's I, not too late. It's not too late. It's never too late, you know. Yeah, that's a large part of, you know, the work that I do is uh, correcting mistakes. And I'm not saying, you know, we're the only ones that do things correct. I mean, if our clients are happy where they're at, they're probably not going to become our clients, right? If you're well taken care of, wherever that is, sure. you know. Um, but 30 years over whatever 30 years um you know my my question would be this to the random listener when's the last time you checked the beneficiaries designations on your life insurance your annuities your retirement account your qualified plans all right um you know just fair question when's the last time and are they correct would be a follow-up question and a lot of the work that I have done and continue to do is correcting mistakes. I mean, and it's, you know, it kind of gets old. You see the same stuff over and 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 over. And it's like, man, your heart goes out to people, you know, but they're, 
doing what they're told to do or what they think is in their best interest and, you know, what they think is right. And it may be, you know, I'm just, I'm not painting with a broad brush that everybody does everything wrong. Not at all. But um, today. Well, he certainly had. Hmm? He certainly had. And he indicated that. Yeah, that's not, that's not uncommon yeah. to hear. <clears throat> you know, I'm tired of it. It's like, me too. <laughs> you know, me too. So we have a process. You mentioned the fast track. So how would mm-hmm. I, if I'm, if I wanted to, you know, engage with the Bank It With Life team here, how would I do that? Well, there's a couple of ways. You know, um, people do go online and they sign up for a webinar or they um, call us or they email us. So, so they would do that at bankingwithlife.com? Banking with, yes, absolutely. All the above. You can email us, you can call us, and you can register for a webinar. So for the next, you know, several weeks or months or whatever, you know, hey, can I talk to Jules? Can I talk to Jules? Call me. <laughs> 817-790-0405. And that number's on there, too. Yeah, so we just want to, you know, connect and see if we can be of service, see if we can help you better your position, Um just we're open and would love to talk to you. So did you make notes? A what few. You, what you got going on there? Well, I just, you know, I want to encourage them to, you know, now's not the time to retreat. You know, now's the time to, you know, reach out and make the make the decision to do something. You know, if it's if you haven't read Nelson's book, you know, you can go on our website, purchase Becoming Your Own Banker. Um, we have fabulous um, specials on the starter kits. We have another kit that we put together. And if you call me, I'll usually give you a really good deal. I mean, we include the shipping with everything. And Well, what's a starter kit? So the starter kit is Nelson's Becoming Your Own Banker book, and then your Banking with Life documentary DVD. And then we have popcorn for, you know, for them to watch the DVD and then we have some candies in there and um, some other books and then instructions on how to get started. Cool. What's that cost? Twenty nine ninety five. And I'm going to have to read. You're going to make me buy something and then <laughs> read know. something. Well, we do have the CDs. You know, it's not the book verbatim, but it is narrated. Um, Nelson Nash is also in there and talks with it. You know, the book is better. Yeah, and you need a foundational understanding of why you're going to put your money in a life insurance policy, and the book gets that done. 92 pages, easy to read, big print, and lots of pictures and illustrations. Man, you I've can't heard that go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's an amazing book, and it's just, you know, Nelson talks about how he got started and why he got started, and... Yeah, it's absolutely necessary. Um, And I've only had one lady the whole time, you know, tell me, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. Because you asked her to buy a book or Mm -hmm. to read read it? Mm -hmm. No problem. I have a great story from a guy in California. Let's hear it. So he calls up and I said, you have to read the book. And he's like, I have to? Yes, you have to read the book. I'm sorry. You know, so he'd call back. About two months later, and hey, how's it going? Did you finish your book? No, I'm just ready to get started. I know this sounds harsh, you guys, but 
I really did the guy a favor, and he's done nothing but thank me ever since. And so that went on for about five months, you know. <laughs> him calling. Did you read was the he book? he like trying to sneak <laughs> around you or something? He or was, like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, can I just get started? I'm like, do you understand why we're doing what we're doing? He goes, well, kind of. I said, do you understand what a mech is? No. See, there's some simple terminology in there that you have to know just for your own benefit. And so when you hear stuff on YouTube, that is an indicator like, wait a minute, that's not right. Or yes, you know, you make the connection. Yeah, if you don't read Nelson's book or you don't know, if you don't go to the horse's mouth, you know, I mean, if you don't go to the originating source for the infinite banking concept and you don't know Nelson or you haven't heard him or listened to him or if you haven't read his work, um, how would you know what's noise and what's not noise? How would you know what you hear on Social media is good, bad, or indifferent. You wouldn't. Exactly. You know? I mean, you could figure it out if you spend enough time listening. I mean, there's over 100 hours of audio and video on this channel that you have an opportunity. I'm just saying that, and I get that that we are all very busy. Mm -hmm. You know, our schedules are full, you know, and running business, family, and, you know, you have a life. I understand. But if we're talking about your money... And we're talking about your family's money and even in beyond the current generation. I mean, reading a 92 page book is really a very low threshold. Yes. Right. And so if you don't care, my, my philosophy has been, you know, kind of uh, maybe changed a little bit from Jim Rohn, you know, added a little James Nether on what I heard from Jim Rohn. It's like, if you don't care, why should I care? Makes sense right. to me. And, and, and don't mean to sound harsh. And well, if he's listening, he knows. I'm okay, so about yeah, it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to. So that's okay. It, it went on saying, for five months. It went on for several months. Yeah, and finally he called, and and I would call him occasionally and say, "How's it going?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm not done yet." I said, "Okay, it's okay. I mean, I'm here for you when you're ready." And so he finally read the book, and he just thanked me so much for that, and just. Today, he still calls and, you know. Was he, he excited to tell you that he finished the yes, book? Yes, I finished reading the book. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm like, Eureka, hallelujah. <laughs> so did he become a client? <laughs> Absolutely. So, no names. I don't want to no, know. No, no, no. But he knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> just a big shout out to you. Okay. Perfect. Um, we appreciate you. It, and he just it, really, and he really thanked me just because it did open his eyes to what he was really getting into. You know? And he didn't die, right? No. I mean, reading the book didn't kill him. No, it didn't. You know. Cool. That's cool. Well, what else you got? Um, Let's see. I mean, no pressure. But. Yeah. No, it was just like I was saying. I just want to encourage them to reach out to us. And, you know, I think that they'll be happy if they did. And if we can't, you know, put something together for them, I think that they would be completely um, excited about. I mean, I, I know that we could put something together and, like I said, better their position. So, yeah, no question about that. So um, tell us a little bit about the process. I mean, don't disclose all the secrets that we have, but I mean, just give us an idea. And surely it's a fun and, you know, easy Pain process. Free. Pain free. It is a process, though. I mean, it's just, you know, gathering as much information as possible to put together a plan that is going to help them today and into the future. So, so there's a fast track. There's a phone call. And then um, there's a go-to-meeting. 
then there's a, another phone call, an application. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty. Right, somebody buying life insurance somewhere if you're going to practice becoming your own banker with right. mutual life insurance companies. Yeah, you want to. it's okay. Right. You want to be healthy. You want to be. So what, you know, what, you know so somebody goes through our process, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've uh, given the information that, that we need to create a solution and you go through underwriting and there's an educational, no question, there's an educational process of how we do things and why we do the things the way we do them, Q&As all the time. And it's kind of like a learning curve, you know, when you're at the front end of a learning curve that's really going to continue your whole life. I mean, this is only part of that lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's relatively painless and and relatively easy. So, but let's say I go through the process and I become a client. Are you going to like forget me? Never. You know? So no, I, never. So then you get to meet um, our wonderful service department, you know, and if you need, they're, they're going to reach out. They're going to introduce themselves and they're going to be there for you whenever you need anything. So service, yeah. what a concept in the financial services industry. <laughs> hey, it means a lot. And, you know, some people are hands off. They kind of do their own thing and can go to the company and get their loans and their repayment schedules. But some people like, you know, the, you know, the special touch uh, just to be able to make a phone call. Yeah, what I see is, uh, you know, we don't encourage dependency, whatever. Right. Whatsoever. We encourage um, independence. But we're all very busy and... You know, if I if I don't know how to do something, or maybe it's my first time or the second time, or it's I'm doing I'm doing it different. What I mean by that, I'm I'm um, getting a loan, setting up a loan repayment. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a different opportunity. Maybe I have been, you know, financing automobiles or real estate, but now I'm going to do something completely different. Um, and they just want to talk that through with an IBC practitioner or a coach, um, a consultant, whatever terminology you want to use someone who um, knows what they're doing has maybe done that many times themselves or with other clients um i mean iron sharpens iron is kind of my point so if i don't know i mean i think I, I know what i want to do and how i want to do it but i've never done it before i mean it's okay to reach out and talk that through with somebody yeah right and have somebody like <clears throat> you know is this right or wrong or is this the most efficient way to do that mm-hmm. I mean, there's value in that. Absolutely. And people like to just know how much their cash value is. <laughs> Not that they, you know, they're saving it up for an opportunity. They can go online and see that. I mean, these they can. life insurance companies are, are dragging themselves <laughs> into the 21st century with Woo-hoo! technology, you know. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. So you can request loans. Repay loans, pay a premium, raise premium, lower premium, you know, within the policy limitations. Can't you do most all that online? You can pay loans and you can take loans. And you can see how much the, I think the death benefit is. But you can't, you don't know what your PUA is. So you need room or you need help. No, I think, well, some of the companies you can. You can go Uh, on there and see how much PUA room you have available. But can't you pay a PUA? You can pay it. You just don't know how much amount. You don't know what the amount is. Okay. Well, I think some of it it depends on what's going on in the policy. But sometimes Mm -hmm. you can, sometimes you can't. So if I can see it, I can see it. If I can't see it, then it's a phone call. 
to either here or to the life insurance company. And really, you should know what those numbers are. Right? You should know what ability you have as far as premium payment in a given year. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we do um, automatically reach out to everyone and let them know how much it is. They have a timeline. You know, we want to encourage them to pay that within the timeline. So that's important. That's hands you know, on. <clears throat> so we don't bug people, though, right? No, no. So if um, if I get in your email system, can I opt out pretty easily? Yes, you can. Are you gonna Are There's you gonna a create little... a new email and create a whole new? That's a great idea. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. You know, I mean, if they opt out, that's okay. You know, maybe they decided this wasn't for them and they're going to do something different. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no stocking no. whatsoever. So. Well, and I also want to just say a shout out to Michael and to um, Brian and to Joe. So those guys came to our office just this month or in August One's from California, one's from Tennessee, then one's here in Texas locally. So my point is, is like they were going to be in the area. Um, one of them actually just came down here to meet us. And um, our door is always, always open. So we gave them a big Texas warm welcome, ate some Texas barbecue. <laughs> well, you left Andrew out. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Andrew, I got your back, sir. <laughs> of course um, he did. It's okay. I just I feel bad now. I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> got another but love, Andrew. <laughs> another but love. All right. A fine young man. No, nah, I'm telling you, it's yeah. all of these people coming here. I mean, the mere fact that you're gonna change your travel arrangements to come in early to a state or leave early or stay late. I mean, thank you. That's, yes. you know, they made an effort. And, uh, of course, then we accommodated. You know, we changed our schedules to accommodate because not only do we have a process, but we have a schedule. I mean, I know you show up and just look pretty, but I show up and work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, if you are local and you would like to join our team, we would love for you to give me a call. And possibly, you know, um, make that happen. So we are growing, and we are looking for a few great people. Um, so these team members uh, work in the office? I mean, yes. What, what are we talking about? Yep. We're, you know, work in the office, help in our service department. Um, wherever their strengths are, you know, we want to cater to that, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that's part of our philosophy here is mm -hmm. like, you know, everybody has strengths and everyone has weaknesses. And so you, you know, you play to the strengths and you support the weaknesses. I mean, that's what a team should do. All right. Yes. So um, this is all new for me, but I am <laughs> excited to be invited and look forward to many more, you know, and really for everyone to meet the whole team and, you know, what we do and who we are and what we bring to the table or, you know, how we, 
help out, you know, with you, for you? you? I got to say that when people come to the office, I mean, Jules gives a, like a, a tour. A grand tour. A grand tour introduces, you know, the guests to everyone here. I love that. Goes all over, you know, here's the podcast here, here's a conference room, here's a small conference room, here's Carol, you know. It's well received. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean. They love it. So maybe, maybe the AV Ninja can create a uh, a video tour for mm-hmm. our clients and guests who haven't had the opportunity to come down to the greatest state in the union, Texas. Amen. All right. I can say that again. So. Yes, right, Andrew. Well, <clears throat> um, any anything you want to you know close with, or any points that you want to make, or um, any loose ends that we need to tie up. No, just the fact that we appreciate everybody and we look forward to, you know, meeting you if possible. And so we do have Andrew uh, puts together a video. You know, if you'll send me your picture, you know, all the clients, if you haven't already, send send us a picture and um, we will make a video of welcome to our family, which everybody loves that, too. So Andrew does a really cool job with that. So if you're not a client and you want your photo, you need to be a client. Yeah, you have an opportunity. (laughs) Perfect. All right, Jules. Well, you you will be back. You know, hopefully. I mean, if you, you know, uh, respond positively to the (laughs) invite, Um, because I really think you know our clients love you, and you, you, the clients, know that you love her, and so I mean, everybody knows you that yeah, our clients know you. Yes. And so um, they love you. And I think more people should get to know who you are, you know, what you do and why it matters, you know. So, well, thank you so much for having me. And I love them too. But it's a love fest. It's a right? love fest. And, you know, um, I'm just me, right? And, yeah. um, and I've always worked with people. And so I, it just, it, I think it shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you like people. I do. And people like you. So. Well, thanks, James. You're welcome, Jules. All right. Thanks for coming. I appreciate you. I appreciate right. you, too. Bye-bye. Bye, brother. <laughs> I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Now, here are some of our featured clients who have come on the show. You know, I regret the annuity that I did. I didn't lose money. Right. But I regret the annuity. Uh, because I could have done better with life insu- with whole life insurance, dividend paying from mutual life insurance company. Um, I regret the universal life insurance that became a MEC. I regret the other universal life insurance that didn't become a MEC that I eventually converted to a whole life insurance policy later because I missed out on performance because I had some market losses. And, um, uh, and then I... Uh, but that wasn't my biggest regret. My biggest regret is I didn't listen to a life insurance agent that told me to buy a whole life insurance policy. So share with me um, and us, it, are you moving into that position where the policies are becoming an operating account? And yeah, we're getting, we're getting, uh, we're kind of at that point now where we have capitalized our first major policy, sort of the foundational policy, and we can uh, borrow from it and have borrowed from it. Um, the first thing we did was borrow from it uh, to help buy a new car. 
Is that right? <laughs> Only because the engine blew up in the old car. Otherwise, we oh, probably yeah. would have gotten a new car. Unexpected. But we've done that. Yeah, that's right. And so you mentioned real estate. There's opportunities that are here now, potential investments. We are, if we invest in these opportunities and we're still analyzing a couple of them, if we do that, we're at the position now with the policy where we can, we can use the policy, borrow from it uh, to invest that capital in the, in the apartment. Um, so we're, we're at that point. So we're building that policy. And then I just, I keep thinking in my mind about one of those phrases Nelson Nash said in that book. And that was your policy premiums should equal your income, something like that. So that's a mind blower. Right. <laughs> well, it was for me. I had to kind of reread that and then think about it and think about it some more. That's the point we're trying to get to. How does the consumer, how would they know whether someone is structuring it for their benefit or for the client's benefit? I think, you know, when we start having the conversations and we start realizing that the, the agent's recommendations actually help you or bring open your eyes to a new way of looking at it that actually benefits you, right? That That's a good sign, right? Right. I mean... You don't know. Most people don't know how insurance works. I still don't know the full mechanics of it, right? And at some point, it's, it's take a little leap of faith. One of, one of the, my light bulb moments in Nelson's book was he talked about, um, he broke down how the financing aspect is overlooked. Um, he, he said that we, we spend, and I could be misscrewed on the numbers, but I think it's we do 20% on our cars, we do another 30% on housing, another 40 to 45% in living expenses, and then we have about 5 to 10% that we're trying to invest. And it's that 5 to 10% we spend time trying to make uh, 2, 3, 4, 5% when we're getting charged 30 to 40% on the 90%. When I was able to die, now it took me several readings yes. to concept that. I'm, I'm spitting it off now like I just know, but I promise you that went by me several times. Yep. But after reading the book over and over, and I'm, because I'm really, at this point, I'm, I, what is Nelson saying? What is the meat? I'm like, I want the meat. And when I saw that, I was like, wow. I mean, who do, I don't, who do you need to reference after you understand that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is that's real. Thick investment. You can do it all day long, but it's not really apples to apples because I'm going to take that money out of that policy and I'm going to buy that same investment that you're trying to prove to me is better and I'm going to say, "Yeah, you know what? I reap the benefits of that investment as well." And guess where I'm going to put it back? Back in my warehouse of wealth in my insurance policy. And that I think is the hard part for people to get over is that they can still invest in whatever it is that they're comfortable investing in, or they can leave it in their warehouse. Here's the way I like to say it, James, is the way I view life is, you know, as I said, my wife and I didn't come from much, but God has blessed us. And yep. the way I view it is God provides us with the resources and it's our job to distribute them. You know, and, and we're open, you know, right now in Ohio, everybody's going through a really tough time. My wife right now is out delivering food. <laughs> That's what she does. You know, she takes right. care of people. Right. And so I just see infinite banking as a way for us to continue, you know, uh, spreading around God's blessings and teaching my kids 
it's not so much teaching my kids because I think they have that in their heart, but it's giving them the resources, giving them the means to be, you know, unusually generous in, in their adult lives. Well, looking back, what would you have done different? Knowing what you know now, right? What would you have done different? Oh, gosh. If I knew then what I know now, I, I would have put every dollar I could into a policy for somebody, you know, kids, wife, me, somebody. Uh, you know, the conventional wisdom tells you to you know, put your money in the stock market. Let it grow. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, how'd that work out last month? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and uh, particularly, particularly people who are just retiring or whatever, or living off their money they've accumulated, the value of their, of their stock holdings, a, a lot of it had to disappear last month. And that's, that's horrible. Terrible. It is horrible. I mean, and now looking at looking back at it, why would anyone do that? So I reached out to this guy, and he he um, totally you buy from the major four, the the top four in companies. Big four. Uh, they pay better interest. Yeah, it was all about interest. Uh, and then he wanted to design a policy that was uh, 90, 90, 10 split, uh, a premium to paid up additions, and uh, made me really think that I had a, a bad policy and, and that, that I should do something with it. He made me really feel like I didn't buy an infinite banking concept policy. <laughs> right. And, and yet, and yet it was, it was growing. It's growing now that where, when I put, when I put in a premium, I'm getting double, double the, the growth, right. With interest and, and uh, more than two and, times the increase in cash value. That's it's correct. Really that's, that's where I'm at now, and it's it's wonder it's it's great to see. Well, when we look at our statements year after year, we're like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, because like Junior's policy, we haven't taken a loan out on it for several years, and we're like, whoa, it's it's nice. increased, you know, substantially in one year. You know, you can't and and we didn't have to worry about the stock market. <laughs> We didn't have to worry about is the Dow up or down or whatever. I mean, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. And um, to me, that's just you can control your own money much better. You know what's going on with your money because at any point I can call your office and say, you know, or look online and see what the value, how much I have available for me to take out a loan. And I don't have to have a bank to approve it. I have to sign a piece of paper and your team sends it in for me. And then a few days later, I get a check. You get that policy later in life. Your kids are the insured and they will be the owners at some point. Um, probably, you know, you still want to get that money in and finance that thing and get it capitalized early. <laughs> I mean, don't wait till your kid's 40. Just, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, because that exponential curve is going to be that much more effective if you started a little earlier. I do think that there's a new valuation coming. So a new Bretton Woods type of moment. How that would look, I couldn't tell you. I do think that definitely like what you're saying, it, you know, at the end of the world, mutual life is still going to be a thing. 
And I would much rather have the ability to access that capital through my own private contract than go beg the, the banks for it at that point. It's a foundational component. I still have all the other stuff. I still have, you know, I still have the 401k. I still have, you know, the Roth account. I have, I still invest in the stock market. I still invest in the real estate, you know, but those aren't my foundations. Mm-hmm. My foundations are, is, is one of the, is this concept and being yeah. able to leverage this. And I think that's one of those things like, you know, I have friends that are really worried about different things because they aren't set up the same way. They have an opportunity. They do. They do. But, you know, I didn't stress about who's sitting in the Oval Office right now. You know, you have to start somewhere. You have to start with your comfort zone and get your feet wet. And like you say, you all, we all start too small. And um, But, you know, you've given us some strategies to help us, you know, lock in age and lock in health and, you know, give us some ways to utilize our policies over time and to convert things in the future. So, you know, we've we've taken taken those steps so that, you know, we can do those things. And, you know, in the meantime, while we're while we're learning and while we're figuring out, you know, how does the cash flow all go? And, you know, how do you wrap your head around paying a premium? And, you know, just just the mechanics of it all. I think it takes time. And, you know, there's really no substitute for just taking the time and getting the experience and incrementally. Like you said, once you grasp it, why diversify? Just keep doing more of what's right, what you know. I called the insurance company. Uh, I think his name's Kevin. Kevin answers. And I was like, Kevin, I need a, uh, I need a, I need a policy line. Do all the verification stuff of who I am. Here's your max loan amount. How much would you like? I need $10,500. Okay. Would you like that ACH to the same uh, bank account that where your premium comes from? Yes, sir. And end a phone call and haven't even reached that next intersection, you know, that next major intersection. So that took about two and a half minutes. No, what are you using it for? Um, you know, our, our calendar's kind of booked. We, you know, the loan officer doesn't have any time for you until next Thursday. Mm. And then, you know, to go through their underwriting. So yeah. one, my money, my control, my bank, and speed. Success is a progressive realization of a worthy idea. And I have uh, a lot of sayings in there. Like people say, um, I've been running all day and I've been doing all day and I'm working late in the office and working late in the office. But my question is doing what? Because I'm not thinking if you really, really know what you're doing, it doesn't break a lot of sweat. I tell people all the time, everybody's born with a mind. Everybody's born with a brain and nobody's born with a mind. You had to be developed. And what our mind is being financially developed in is a worthy idea of success and a progressive realization. (laughs) I love that. In this segment, Ryan and I discuss some of our favorite moments of the Banking with Life podcast over the last three years. Big 100. You know, there's uh, significance in numbers, and uh, I don't necessarily know what the significance of 100 is, but looking back, you know, there's been a lot of time, effort, and energy put into this effort. Yeah, in fact, we put together a couple, just before we got started here, a couple of key uh, statistics about what we've done since we started. And we start, episode one of Banking with Life was on February 1st, 2019. So almost two and a half years ago now. We're here in September 2021. So 100 episodes over about two and a half-ish years. Uh, 
239 total published videos on your channel. So this is a number 100 of Banking with Life in particular. I, I, did, I did want to go into a bit about how this got started. Sure. We talk about it early on, yeah. I think in er, way much earlier episodes, but right. people who are new, I, th I, I know people are all over the place. And, you know, they'll, they'll come to the channel, they'll start watching the most recent episodes, yeah. and some, maybe even a good majority, will go back and watch all the prior ones. And maybe they go, you know, in reverse sequence, 100, 99, 98. Sure. Some, maybe some go all the way back to the beginning and start at one. I don't know, but I'm sure there's a good bunch of people who just start. I think people do it differently, recent. you know, yeah. but yeah. so there are some people that do going backwards. Yeah. Some just, you know, choosing, pick and choose, but. But yeah. for, for the most recent, for the people who would start watching at, at the most recent time, Let's do a little history. Yeah, and haven't so had the opportunity to go all the way back, right? Yeah, yeah. So how did we get started? That's, uh, and when I think it, it's prior to the date that you just put out there. Yeah. We did, we shot uh, a book review, a five-part book review of Becoming Your Own Banker. Mm -hmm. And that was your idea to do, James, we should do a book review. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and it's not meant to replace a thorough multiple readings of Nelson's becoming your own banker. Um, and then even prior to that, you know, I mean, there's a reason that we shot a five part book review. Yeah. Right. So, and I think we met in 2017 ish, mm -hmm. 20 October 20. It was, we became formally affiliated in October, 2017, but I had, joined the Nelson Nash Institute and went through their practitioner program. And I, I believe it was September of that year. It was right after I left a PhD program out of Texas tech. And that was in the summer of 2017. And then, so I, I sort of mark the start time of my experience in the business in October of 2017. So it was right around that time. The book review that we did of Nelson's Becoming Your Own Banker came out on December 7 of 2018. Okay, so about a year later. Yeah. So in that year, though, formally affiliated, um, but we, we came to know each other, um, you know, working together. And then it was your idea to do the five-part book review. And like I said, you know, it's not meant to replace a thorough readings. Uh, but we had a lot of fun, mm -hmm. you know, in my opinion, you know, we're shooting this book review, this, uh, and that was a, it was a labor of love, you know, mm -hmm. um, I don't know the runtime, the five different parts. I know some are longer than others. Um, but that was, there was a lot of effort into that. Yeah. Multiple right? reshootings. We, you know, we <laughs> had iterations. I didn't like how the original format was. So we, right. you know, the one you see now is, was like maybe the third iteration. The set did not look like this. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, there's, so there's, if there's 239 total published videos, right. There's a lot of film on the cutting room floor, yeah. as they say. Right. Yeah. Um, but as we were doing the five part book review, you know, I, I thought, here, here's what I thought, right? And, and he's heard it, you know, many times, uh, probably a lot in the beginning. You know, I'm older, he's younger, I'm dark, he's pasty white. Um, he's like nine feet tall, you know, I'm just average, the height. But he's very uh, 
um, very well spoken. You know, he has a history of uh, debate and, uh, you know, you speak very well and you write very well as well. But you're more of a um, an educated kind of a PhD economist, you know, rhetoric yeah. uh, and language. And, and I just... I barely speak English, but it's very plain. <laughs> it's not proper, but it's very plain English. And so the differences, you know, age and experience, you know, uh, and we just, we, you know, we got along. Yeah. And, and there was that banter, right, in between what you see. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, this is powerful. People would probably like it or hate it either way. <laughs> plenty of both. <laughs> plenty of both. <laughs> Well, you know, I've got to say since then, um, you know, we've had our own hater pages developed. And so I'm told by the younger crowd that you're not really uh, on the on the map unless you have a hater page. So, you know, we're making progress somewhere. And people should be reminded, too, that this was a product of Nelson personally. Yeah. No. The part of the background there is the Nelson Nash Institute authorized IBC practitioner program has a mentorship component. And James is formally speaking, the first to have gone through that program. And when I went through in summer of 2017, you know, from the time I completed the coursework and did the exit interview, you know, it was maybe 30 minutes later, (laughs) I get a call back and they're like, yep, there's a guy out there in Texas named James Nethery. Think you'd be a good fit. So I was a uh, part of. I was, so I was, you know, was the first practitioner to go through the program, and then it, part of that process that that process is improving too, thankfully, to become a recognized, certified Nelson Nash IBC practitioner. But part of it was, you know, you had to have a mentor, a new um, perspective practitioner had to be paired with a mentor. And so Nelson paired us and he was, you were in Lubbock. Let me talk to her. He was in Lubbock. Uh, he lived in Lubbock at the time. And here we are in 20 miles south of Fort Worth. That's about, for me, it's about a five and a half, six hour drive. It's about a four hour drive. For him. <laughs> five. But, uh, cool five. Yeah. You know, and Nelson, I think I was hosting Nelson. Yeah. Uh, in 2017, it was kind of a open mic for him. You know, he wasn't really doing his, 10-hour presentation and I think you had heard Nelson one time previously in California but in our conversation you know because I was told to give you a call I was asked to give you a call you know and so I called and and I'm like well you need to come down here and and listen and and you didn't really hesitate right which and so you drove down and and uh that was kind of the beginning of our working together. And even look prior to that, and I, I know I said this before, but prior to that, a year or so prior to that, I went to a Mesa circle in Hearst with the mid cities, the mid cities, Hearst, Euless, Bedford, which are cities between Dallas and Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And it's called the mid cities, just North of Arlington. There was a Mesa circle there and Bob Murphy, Dr. Robert Murphy was speaking and others. Um, and if you haven't been to a Mesa circle, you should, you should make, time track it track them down go to mises.org find out where they're holding a mesa circle and it's worth your time and effort to go Mm -hmm. and so anyway we 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 went i went 
you know, my son Jake went and a couple of other young men um, went, my nephew Dustin, I believe. And, you know, Dr. Murphy, you know, graciously, you know, we, we sat at his table. So it was up to the, closer to the front mm-hmm. and you have kind of a front row view, great speakers. And you were on a panel, right? <laughs> um, so they put a couch on the stage, you know, and there's a lovely, beautiful young women, and you were the only guy up there, right? <laughs> and, and they're sharing, I think, y'all's experience with the Mises educational program or a particular part of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I had no idea who you were. Yeah, we had never met. I didn't meet him that day. I mean, it was just chance encounter not even an encounter we just happened to be in the same room yeah that's a it. year prior to getting to know each other right so then a year later you know i'm 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 asked to call you and, and i didn't know you were that same guy right. so it's just very interesting the way things work out and develop mm-hmm. you know um but i thought you were a lucky guy sitting up there with all those austrian young ladies you know <laughs> libertarian just like I was thinking the whole time, yep, I see it. Geeks are really getting popular. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I didn't. Of course, I only came to know about that, that you were there long after the fact. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was surprising to me. It's like, oh, yeah, I met you before. Or Mm -hmm. I didn't meet you before. I've just seen you before. Mm -hmm. And I I don't remember anything that you said. (laughs) I don't either. I I think it was about just young people's experience with. Austrian economics and actually it was very good it was good to see um you know I don't necessarily remember what you said but it was very powerful mm-hmm. you know all of the whole content mm-hmm. and the effort and I think Lou Rockwell was there Lou Rockwell was there that was pretty yeah. cool yeah and it's always fun. you know good to see Bob. so in, in total now so you know we sort of in summary, two kinds of episodes in Banking with Life. You've we've co-hosted the majority of them, and thirty-nine of them have been you with another guest, mm-hmm. either current clients. Uh, there have been some other finan- members of the financial advisory community, Nelson Nash himself. Right, I, I took a quick note of some key guests that jumped out to me. So, of course, Nelson. Mm-hmm. Is on episodes sure, sure. one, six, seven, and eight, uh, and then Barry Dyke, who I, I think is the most important financial analyst living right now, author of Pirates of Manhattan, uh, and so Pirates of Manhattan one and two, and then Guaranteed Income, and then there's another one coming. But he was on episodes twenty-seven, forty-one, seventy, and ninety-eight. Wow, he's been on four times. Yeah, that's yeah. how much I like him. They're really good too. And he has all this knowledge that just comes off the top of his head. Yeah, yeah. You know, and done he in a shares conversational manner. Yeah, Barry. I mean, very a great guy. Barry's a great guy. And uh and I was looking so that doesn't let me back up too. That doesn't include include the QA. Right. I mean, I've done right. a QA yeah. with there's twenty-five. Um, and I'm and I'm saying that here because one of the questions that I'm going to address you know, relatively shortly, is a young man asked, James, what are all the books? Um, mm. I'm very interested to know what books are there and why they're there, mm. right? And so I was getting ready to answer that question recorded, um, but it was late in the day and I was out of gas. You know, I was tired, so I had to set it aside. But I pulled the original uh, Pirates of Manhattan off the shelf. Uh-huh. And Barry Dyke autographed that for me in 2007. 
Yeah, I believe it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah I've been to it for a long time. Yeah, I like Barry. Oh, he's cool. He's been very nice to me too, which is very, very sweet. And then of course Paul Cleveland. I mentioned him just because he's another PhD economist who likes the Austrian school, and uh, so he featured in episode 29. So only once. Ones. Only once. Paul Cleveland. Was there more than it could be more? I, I saw the one and took note of that. Well, you but. should you should search for Paul Cleveland. Um, he's written several books that are available on, you know, my uh, web page, you know, mm-hmm. homepage, and in the store. But Paul Cleveland, look, Paul Cleveland was originally a client of Nelson Nash's. Mm. He goes back a very long time, lives in Birmingham. They became friends, you know, and so there's you, you would do yourself well to, to listen to Paul Cleveland. Yeah. A key book that comes to mind of his is basic economics, uh, sort of a presentation of, of introductory economics from a natural law perspective. Um, so very, very good. Very good. Um, I, I think there's more recording somewhere around because he's been a guest. I've had him. I've hosted him as uh, a speaker to uh, for our clients and prospective clients and live events times in times past. I mean, they're not all recorded, but I've had him here several times. So mm-hmm. there may be more videos somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And you've had, I mentioned briefly too, other clients. So is that all the guests, the important of note guests? Of- well, they're just the ones that I have a specific relationship with. There are a lot uh, of lots of people that I've never met and, you know, but other great guests. Uh, I, I Earl Muhammad comes to mind and um, Michael recently from California. Um, but very cool insights into how people, you know, what how they view the infinite banking concept and how they describe uh, sort of their improving understanding of it over time and a lot of a lot of gratitude which is always cool you know people are very thankful for the stuff that we put out sure um, so those are very really you know that's a lot I don't know if there's that many client like client interactions videoed interviews with clients anywhere else you know you want to talk about proof of concept it's like there's and there's plenty more where that came from. <laughs> you know, these are just people who may have decided to make the trip here or have agreed to take time to talk with you. Which is very, you know, whenever you ask someone, whenever I ask my clients, would you consider coming on? You know, almost every one of them say, "Well, you know, no, you know, they don't." I, I'm, I don't. What I have to say is not going to be that important. Yeah. You know, and and. And, and then some of them, because of their stature of who they are or whatever industry that they are in, cannot come on, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. when I said many times when the uh, the big four accounting firms, you know, the partners <laughs> and the top level executives, when they buy life insurance, they call my office. I'm not when when presidents, vice presidents <laughs> of other large stock life insurance companies buy life insurance. They call my office. When well-known attorneys and politicians buy life insurance, they call my office. And I'm not bragging. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that cannot come on because of who they are and what they do. Right. And a great respect, uh, you know. Yeah. Can keep that private. No problem. Right. <clears throat> but, you know, because we get the question, and we've talked about the subject per se, but then also just the, there's the general idea of, you know, what do I do with my... 
Uh, I was talking about this with Jason Lowe and Richard Canfield of the Wealth Without Bay Street Canada, in our Canada. Canadian friends. Yeah, about this very common uh, question of well, what, what should I do? You know, we've caught IBC. We get it. We even understand yeah, yeah. how to apply it in our own lives. We know what the premium level. We know what the structure. We know why the contract's going to come from a specific company, and all that's understood. And it's like, okay, well, now what do I do? What, what's the right. best use of policy loans? And there have been great example. The reason I bring it up is some of these interviews with clients and it may not be stated explicitly, but some of them just may bring it up in passing, you know, the, the different things that they've financed with policy loans or what it's meant to them. And you, and you, uh, you've had a conversation with Jana, your wife and the episode number I didn't take down, but it was for yeah, Valentine's, Valentine's day of 2020. I believe. Last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you've described the kinds of things that you have done as a family uh, because you had access to capital in the form of, policy loans collateralized by cash value. So I, I think it's a great example for people to listen to if they, you know, are, if they have that kind of question, you know, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. say, well, there's plenty of interviews with other clients who have explained what they've done. I'm glad you brought that up because that's very natural. You know, that's part of the learning process. We're all, when we were first exposed to the idea of becoming your own banker, you know, then, and, and I'm not, uh, I wouldn't want anyone to become a life insurance expert, right? Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you do have to understand the assets that you own and their characteristics, what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what, what is best for you. Um, so education is very important. And this is an educational process. And you can't learn and you can't know just like anything else that you're interested in and you want to learn about. You can't know everything in the beginning. So these questions of wondering what to do, mm -hmm. you know, and then you get uh, if you're you, you get uh, pushback in the general footprint of the infinite banking concept, you'll hear agents or advisors say, well, every dollar you have available in loan value should be outstanding working, you know, buying appreciating cash flowing assets. Well, that makes for a very good presentation mm -hmm. and that makes for a very good conversation. That is not true. It is not true. In my opinion, why is that, James? Well, these cash values do very well in the life insurance policy without collateralizing them. Mm -hmm. All right, and then when you force the issue to, well, I've got to, you know, borrow against that cash value to do better, um, it, especially if you're inexperienced or you're very new, is not, I mean, there'll be a learning, there'll, there'll be an education process in that, right? Everything walking down the street is not a deal. Just because you have ease of access to capital doesn't mean that you should be lending it, right? right? And you think about the time, effort, and energy that it even took you to accumulate the capital to pay into the life insurance policy as a premium and then going through the underwriting and all of that time, effort, and energy. And somebody comes along and says, well, you know, the internal rate of return on your policy is three and a half percent. You know, we have these great notes or, you know, viatical settlements or real estate deals or whatever. There's paying 10, 12, and 14. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I mean, I'm just saying, I'm glad you brought it up because that's a very common, well, what should I do? You should focus, continue your focus on accumulating capital. The opportunities will appear. Yeah. And I know that's also easy conversation, but you go ahead and accumulate capital for a year, two years, or three years and prove me wrong because mm -hmm. I am subject to be corrected.
Okay. And that's why there is, there's one note I've put that maybe one thing that has perhaps been underemphasized because it's really more of the unseen, you know, we, it's much easier to talk about how it's easy, how it's better to say finance the purchase of a vehicle or vehicles over the course of your lifetime through IBC, just like Nelson shows in part three of becoming your own banker. Uh, much easier to talk about the things that you're already going to use capital for, but the, the opportunities that maybe never would have come your way if you did not have access to capital. It's, it's a more theoretical abstract discussion, but it's, still true right it's still the case and i i point to nelson's second book becoming your <coughs> becoming building your warehouse of wealth where he tells some of his own stories and emphasizes more specifically than in becoming your own banker that relationship that capital attracts opportunity and in fact that'll be the subject of well one of the subjects of my dissertation is the relationship between capital, between the monetary value of assets with acquisitive purpose, right? That equity, that the, the amount that you can get to through some lending process. And in IBC, it's through a policy loan, right? The, the relationship between how much capital you have and the ease of access to it. And then on the other hand, the entrepreneurial and or investment opportunities, right? The, and, it, and it's it's unfortunate in the broader IBC footprint that it is neglected because it is the answer to all of these objections that come from the investment side or from the conventional financial yeah. advisory side, right? Yeah. Where, oh, you know what, the internal rate of return and oh, you can you know get 10% annualized rate of return. Don't you listen to Dave Ramsey? And you know, can I, shouldn't I go be putting my money in the stock market? And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. You can do all that or, or you can build up a whole bunch of capital in order to unlock all of these different opportunities that would be uh, that you would be inhibited from or prohibited from or that wouldn't be open or available to you if you didn't have a whole lot of capital to start with, right? Some of the best opportunities have a high barrier to entry in the form of a, of a high entry cost. You have to have a lot of capital to get into it. And what, nobody talks about those, right? Mm -hmm. Nelson talks about, I, I mentioned it, uh, I know it's been more than once in, in past episodes, but that story in Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, where he talks about financing the or buying land from one of his pilot friends at a discount, and then recalculating the discount when the pilot friend needed more money, mm -hmm. and then when he turned around and sold it later and financed it for the guy, it's like, <laughs> at, at what point do you lose track of the, quote unquote rates of return early early on <laughs> very early because you can't put all that there was nowhere to demonstrate those returns when nelson talked about his 1959 state farm policy right there was nowhere to put all that and that was just one thing you know and he used to say i think they were flying in north africa somewhere you mm. know uh anyways spending hours and hours you know, boring, just flying. You know, what What was it? It was like, it was sheer boredom interrupted by, you know, stark moments of terror, right? <laughs> Take off and landing, whatever. But he, he said, you know, he sat beside this guy, his co-pilot, for hours, you know? And it, it's like, go figure. He the His friend underestimated the need for capital, not only once, but twice. It was habitual, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and all of that is secondary. 
All of that is secondary, mm. right? It was be, it's becoming your own banker. Everybody listening is driving automobiles, their spouses, their children. They're all being edu- We're all being educated. I mean, we're all financing just as a matter of living life. And then the need for capital, for the family, for the business. Um, these opportunities that we speak of are beyond the obvious, but you're yes. already financing. It's like the business owner. It's the same thing as the family, you know, running a family. We all need access to capital. It's like, well, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do next? And it's like, oh, well, there's a line of credit. Okay, you can take that over. Or there's this loan or that loan or inventory loan. Or wait a minute, just don't pay your taxes, Mr. All-American mm-hmm. Family. Uh, individual, Mrs., Mr. and Mrs., All-American Family, don't pay your taxes. Don't pay your property taxes. Don't pay your income taxes. Oh, for the entrepreneur, entrepreneur who's profitable, right? Just don't pay your quarterly taxes. Mm. And, and so. Yeah, there's plenty around us to finance already. Exactly. You know, we're, we're so eager to miss the forest for the trees, right? right? We're like looking on the horizon for the little tiny ship that might appear. When if we just looked around ourselves and saw all the things that we're already financing, that is, we're already dependent in some way, shape, or form on some third party lender or on all the things that we're liquidating capital for. We're giving up all the future yeah. interest growth that we otherwise could have achieved if we harnessed that. Like there's so much to do. There's so much housekeeping to do to get the to get our house in order first right it's like jordan peterson talks about and nelson like jordan peterson he's you know just go clean your room like before you go (laughs) before you want to go change the world and alter these great social institutions how about you like you know keep your make your bed or something you know look around you and then and everybody's guilty of it we're all eager to just look beyond everything that we already take for granted but there's so much opportunity right at home i was talking to you just last week about this i it was the first Monday, it was the first <laughs> right. Monday of the month, and sure enough, in the county I live in, the first Tuesday of every month is foreclosure day, where there's an auction in front of the courthouse where foreclosed properties go. So I just went to see, and blown away, of course, I was really impressed by like the guy sitting next to me got a million a home that I know is worth around a million dollars for seven hundred grand because he had capital because he had capital in his hand. Yeah, that's courthouse steps. Yeah, blew yeah, my mind. Yeah, blew yeah. my mind. And that's right in front of me. How many? I, I've lived in this county for over a year now. There's been plenty of months. These happen every month. That's the first one I went to. I don't know how many counties are in Texas and every other state in the union, but there's a lot. Yeah. And wait a minute, somebody underestimated their need for capital or lost control. That's when problems generally happen. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody mm. that the uh, the properties are being foreclosed upon and then auctioned off. They're already foreclosed. They're being auctioned. Nobody got up, you know, three months prior and said, hey, let's don't pay our house payment. Let's let our million dollar property be sold for 700000 mm. Right? So, uh, it, my point I want to tie in here is right before, you know, we start looking for all these and wondering about all these, what should I do with my capital right before that? The previous realization to the individual, all of us was like looking at the cash values. it's like in a short amount of time, it's like, my gosh, that's a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. I have, and they've already seen the numbers. They've already seen the illustrations. They've been paying premium. You point out that this is what we can expect. And then 
it just happens almost suddenly they realize it's like that is i have access to that much james are you sure that number's right yes We've covered this number several times, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm just yeah. telling you that realization happens very naturally. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, well, that, well, what do I need to do with it? Yeah. Right. So it's understandable, right? But it's like, it's okay to pump the brakes. And I have had clients who have specifically mentioned the first time you brought this up, that it's okay to just pay a premium. Yeah. And watch the cash values rise. All of the financial entertainment on YouTube and other platforms where you've got to go do all the HELOC and the laddering and everything. And I, I want to talk about the fact that we've discussed probably more than anybody all the noise out there. But uh, all that noise out there, it's okay to just let those people do their thing. And you can steady become more and more capitalized in the role of your own banker. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, the opportunities will come your way. You will see the need in your own life for that capital. It's like, I love what you've said in the past. It's go only where called, but be prepared to be called. Yeah, be worthy. To be, be worthy called. to be called. And part of becoming <laughs> worthy, part of, in my view, being prepared to be called is to become well capitalized. That was directly from Nelson Nash, which was directly from his mentor, Leonard E. Reed. I pencil. There's one video that I'm aware of. It's been remade. So it's the same video available in two, same video mm. <laughs> made available, but it was redone. So there's two versions of the same video is what I'm saying. of Leonard E. Reed giving a presentation. So you should hunt that down on YouTube, right? Um, and I'm glad that you said that. Referencing these uh, episodes, nobody, to my knowledge, has addressed the noise like we have. And and you know, you you we, uh, I'm very appreciative of all of the listeners and all of the commenters um, on the channel. I'm sure you are as well. Um, we don't. I don't. We don't. Uh, attack or point the noise out because we think that we're holier than thou. Mm. I don't, you, you don't. And and I understand that, you know, if I get triggered or you get triggered may come across a little aggressive or arrogant. Um, I'm the, one of the most humble guys I know. I mean, um, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm just saying, I tell my wife all the time, listen, I'm one of the nicest guys I know. She doesn't necessarily agree with me, but my point here <laughs> is that why do we do that? Why do we point out the noise? And, you know, I'm not uh, the world's policeman. I'm sure not the IBC police or becoming your own banker police. Um, but if I care for the general public and somebody's digging a hole or they're fixing to fall in a hole, is I'm okay with pointing out, look, there's a hole right there. Avoid that. Yeah. And I that's akin to what I feel like that, that I do and what we do when we talk about the noise and why is it noise, right? And that brings me to this. I had a conversation with a client this week, right? And you talk about all the videos that are available. And he said, James, I was on a road trip and I listened to all 25 Q&As. Hmm. And I said, man, what's wrong with you, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I'm all in. And he really is all in. You know, he's all in. Very successful family, business. And um, okay. He said, as we were talking through the Q&As, and he's listened to all the others episodes as well. And he said, let me tell you, I want to share with you that I, um, 
It was about the PUA. We did a we did a, an episode. You and I did an episode on, on blended term blended PUA. blended PUAs. Uh, episode forty six. He said I was right in the middle of going down that road, mm. buying a little old, uh, very small base whole life policy with a huge blended PUA. And he never felt right because he'd read Nelson's book, you know, and not everybody who does this reads Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, which baffles me. Mm-hmm. But uh, he just he just wanted to and he gave you a shout out and said, say hi to Ryan. Um, and I, I didn't mean to bring him up today. It wasn't planned. But since we're talking about the episodes that we do with noise, um, it's made a difference in people that listen. He's so appreciative. I was going down the road. It never felt right to me. It, did, it wasn't comfortable to me but i couldn't verbalize it i didn't know why until listening to that episode that made sense to me and so he went the correct direction which um let me say this too i got an email so i'm wrapping up this is a saturday i'm wrapping up on a friday and i'm shutting everything down and an email comes across from an agent right and he says you know yeah james I understand that you don't like blend or you don't like term riders on policies and you know this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm doing it you know am I doing something wrong and he sends the illustration I don't know him but he happens to be a practitioner so there's a uh, I called him right then which shocked him and uh, we talked about that and uh, I said well there's and we talked through it. I answered his questions and we talked through the structure that he sent. And I'm like, there's nothing per se wrong with that. And the one really good thing that I see about that is that you have a substantial base. It's not squeezed down to nothing. Mm-hmm. And he said, James, do you know where I learned that? I'm like, no, tell me. He said, from you. Mm-hmm. So he's an agent. So I think that, uh, you know, I think that our message, my message, your message, I think is doing good in my opinion. Um, And it's also doing its job because if people, you know, push back and say, Oh, well, you know, you're bad people because you're not doing what we do. Suddenly they're uncomfortable. But (laughs) 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 Well, I have really found, I mean, it's just been such an education for me coming from academic economics and financial sales and life insurance agents interest life insurance industry uh, as an agent just just to learn that apparently people don't know that contracts from various companies policies from various companies differ right the riders the ability to pay pua the ability to add term they differ in kind they differ in their terms and conditions from company to company right that one of the big uh sort of sacred cow ideas out there that I think we've slayed is this the idea that you're all the same. Oh, you do IBC. You can type the letter I, B, C on a keyboard. You must be the same. And uh, hopefully that's become clear for people who have watched the show that that is not the case. Um, I go through with every client. We've talked about it before. It links up nicely with this blended term PUA writer discussion, but the importance of philosophy, mm-hmm. like what you're trying to achieve in a given policy, why you would do one thing and not another. I've, I've, I've brought it up here before I bring it up with every client, what Nelson said, that if you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. Right? You have to understand what the, the landscape of possibility is and then 
evaluate your own philosophical position to understand what integrates best, right? What is optimal and what's suboptimal? Look, at the end of the day, some cash value is better than none. Some capital is better than none. A policy in force is better than one that never was put in force. Sure. But that doesn't mean they're all created equal. And there is a, a, a better, more aligned, more... Uh, appropriate, more optimal fit. And then there are suboptimal or inferior solutions. You know, it's not that all are right or all are wrong. It's not black or white, but there is better and worse. Hello. I know that <laughs> this is 2021 America and everybody's the same, but <laughs> <laughs> down here on planet earth, in reality, there is still better and worse, inferior and superior. And we try to point out some of the things that maybe might want to consider avoiding. Um, so, and two in particular that I have to mention <laughs> because people have enjoyed these, you know, uh, our, our good old friend, Dave Ramsey, mm. uh, and then the, you know, the, the quite incoherent, but, um, you know, he's a medical doctor, so, it, you know, he must be right. The white coat investor. I think we're two. So on Dave, we've talked on episode 75 and 92. And then if you're in one of these Facebook groups that, you know, <laughs> throw around these these posts with white coat investor, you know, he's a medical doctor. So he must know everything there is to know about life insurance. Uh, episode 78 and 79, we address uh, a couple of his posts on on IBC or on the idea of banking with life insurance. And, uh, you know, we've tried to stay fun. There have been episodes we've done where we respond to things where it's like, you know, we got to rein it in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we, talk about the editing room floor. There's yeah. a few episodes that will probably never see the light of day or recordings. Yeah. Um, you know, just because like the one of the first time we ever talked about Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. You know, directly. I mean, I spoke with him. Uh, I I addressed that philosophy, I think, with David Stearns when he was here one time. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but I just didn't mention the name. Right. But uh, you could do a Google search, or when you go on YouTube, can't you search keyword search on videos? I think so. Just. Google or do a keyword search on rice and beans, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, uh, so there are some episodes or some recordings that won't see the light of day. The Dave Ramsey, the first time we spoke about Dave Ramsey, um, and this is why that one's, of course, out and available. But, you know, you came in on a Saturday and we were shooting a New Year's episode mm -hmm. and that was just released. Mm -hmm. Right. Dave Ramsey's rant. Um <clears throat> and I would almost say incoherent, but it was an ignorant rant mm -hmm. on IBC. And so we talked about that. We went from, you know, the agenda talking about a new year uh, um, to, ha to record a new year's episode to, you know, he put that in front of Ryan the first time he seen it. And <laughs> I didn't even watch it until that morning. And then we, you know, then go and start talking about Dave Ramsey. Well, sometimes, one of us or both will get more triggered than other times. <laughs> and so when you get overly triggered, you know, you got to kind of got to rein it in. And, uh, but I don't think there's that many episodes that, or recordings that won't be released. And yeah, maybe yeah. we can edit it, edit it in such a way that we can release them or put them on client only or, you know. And look, we're human. And it's just what we do for a living. It's got to be fun. Okay. Right. So it's not going to be all neat and kept nice. And, you know, in fact, it, it, the sterility of the conventional industry oh where everything is so sanitary, so sanitary, so HR approved. It's like, 
you know, can we squeeze a little human, any more humanity out of this, you know, advertising campaign or something? It's like so inhuman. I mean, I, I find it so unapproachable and cold and disinterested, uh, you know, and unbelievable. Yeah, just yeah. you got to really, you know, suspend all your other, uh, you know, beliefs and values to kind of go along with what they're pitching. It's yeah. But, you know, we haven't I, I want to mention, too, we haven't just talked about those two particular instantiations of the noise there have been others we've also addressed major objections i think one important one that i have never seen it discussed anywhere else and we've done it more than once is on the idea that you know there are the objection that well ibc has to do with dividend paying whole life and whole life insurance is dollar denominated and don't you know oh, yeah. silly that the dollar is going to collapse and you know that we're going to be in monetary chaos so it, this, there's this idea out there that anything denominated in dollars should be avoided, which is almost a contradiction in terms. The, the U.S. dollar is the money, whether we like it or not. I'm no, I'm no fanboy for the Fed, but the, that is the money, and assets are denominated in money. <laughs> and you don't really have a choice living in the United States, do you? Because it's fiat, right? By yeah. dictate, you don't have a choice. So, And everything that you own, we have discussed that many times. Mm -hmm. Um and I've discussed that with individual clients over and over and over because of what they hear, right? That there's going to be a collapse, mm. there's going to be a currency revaluation or replacement. When everything that you own, everything that you own is denominated in dollars. Mm -hmm. So revalue the currency. Okay. Every asset that you own will be then revalued, right? At the end of the day, then there's a comparison, and Nelson used to say, look, everything you do in this world is compared to what others do, mm -hmm. right? And if they're going backwards and you're going forwards, you're twice ahead. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was episode 85 where we talked. I think the title is something to the effect of inflation fears or inflated fears. Yeah. So I got real excited about that title. But yeah, you you when you purchase dividend paying whole life, you purchase a relationship between a future value, a future cash flow, the death benefit, and, and the present value of that cash flow. And what matters is the relationship between those two entities over time. And this is the reason cash value rises guaranteed. It's the reason we get compounding. It's the reason that a policy loan is the only credit transaction where the lender is also guaranteeing the value of the collateral, which is why the Policy loan is the most efficient credit instrument on the planet, right? All of these fundamental ideas are what inculcate IBC and ownership of dividend paying whole life from this objection, from the idea that just because it's dollar denominated, it's bad. You know, that's just not the case. Um, the the money is going to be what it's going to be. You know, and we can only control uh, certain elements of our interaction with the economy. We can't. No. You sure as hell can't control anybody else's actions. Right. <laughs> the, you know, the, the uh, seeing um, after meeting Nelson, I mean, I was a life insurance agent 14 years prior to meeting Nelson Nash, and at least moderately successful, right? Um, but being a student, and I'm still a student, I still continually learn, I have not achieved the arrival syndrome by any means. Um, however, I don't, I'm not interested in relearning lessons that I've paid a heavy price to learn mm -hmm. to begin with. I'm a slow learner, but two or three times on a single lesson is enough for me. However, after I met Nelson and implemented this in my own life and then began showing others, um, encouraging others to consider 
the infinite banking concept. I never in my life realized the best hedge against inflation is life insurance. Specifically, when you talk about a cash flow, mm-hmm. there's no greater hedge against inflation that I'm aware of than the cash flow of life insurance. Well, your premiums appreciate, period. The dollars you pay into dividend-paying whole life insurance are appreciating. You get more and more for what you pay in each year, more and more cash value for what you pay in every year. That's an appreciating relationship. I don't care what's going on in the rest of the economy. If your dollar buys less bread than it did yesterday, okay, that's a depreciating relationship. But in the context of dividend-paying whole life, in your personal economy, we have an appreciating appreciating relationship, which becomes, just like you said, it's a hedge against this inflationary environment this depreciating value of the currency environment right if if we are steady increasing or maximizing our purchasing power if we're operating an appreciating relationship between our financial inputs and our capital then we are necessarily preparing ourselves hedging against this otherwise negative depreciating environment right and then like nelson you brought up his first policy in 1959 you know a whole lot of price inflation occurred between 59 (laughs) and 2000 when becoming your own banker came out i mean do you think he was upset that he had the opportunity to pay a dividend for twelve hundred dollars whatever fourteen hundred dollars whatever it was in exchange for a four five six seven eight times increase in his cash value in that year alone three hundred and eighty something dollar premium you know was he upset about that (laughs) of course not and then and then the uh the policy face amount grew by five i mean he he talked a lot about the five factor um yeah no question he was not upset and knowing full well that the dollars that you pay in premium are depreciating no question but the construct of the policy the mere construct of a whole life insurance policy that participates in a dividend you can't stop that exponential curve unless you want to you it's right it's you can stop it because you have the contractual right to do that but if you don't stop that exponential curve if you don't interrupt that you don't have to interrupt that um, and you just let it be that exponential curve exists and why would you interrupt that? Yeah. Why would you want to break that? And you can contribute to it. <laughs> you can accelerate it, right? <laughs> but, but that doesn't mean, you know, you should go get a HELOC, right, and try to ex- accelerate it artificially. I'm just, my, yeah. it, it's incredible that what a life insurance policy does. Yep, depreciating dollars and appreciating uh, effect of those cash flows over time. It's incredibly powerful. And it's sad um, troubling that the construct that we live in today makes it difficult for people to get past the word life insurance, whether it's mm-hmm. because commission is attached to it or, you know, the, the entertainer, the financial entertainers are promoting everything else. Um, and just because they're promoting something that they believe in doesn't mean their disparagement of life insurance is true. Yeah. And I really think people are getting past that. You know, I I see, I I, I agree with that. I think more and more people are getting past that. Um, 
you know, it's especially your generation and, and you're, you know, 40 and younger today. Yeah. Uh, but you go 40 and up today and they still have a very hard time. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. The preconceived notions are really baked in. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be when people say, what's the cost? You know, what what's the cost with IBC? And I, the first thing I always say is, well, you got to be willing to set aside your preconceived ideas. And Ooh. for some people, that's that's too much of a cost. Right. If you've built sure. a big old professional identity on being some smarty pants in finance and, uh, you know, these your, your opinion about life insurance is a part of who you've become professionally and how people know you and what your reputation is. Well, then, you know, come hell or high water, you're not going to divorce yourself from those ideas. Be very difficult. What yeah. what kind of a, you know, fortitude and integrity would be required to change gears if you built an empire, you know, yeah. on those preconceived ideas, yeah. promoting them? Like, I think people like that would, would sooner just stop doing, stop working, just retire, just like go home, fade off into the horizon before they would publicly repudiate or publicly renounce you know, prior views about life insurance. Oh, no question. So they just need to be set aside. Like, oh, look, you can have that. You know, people want to uh, drink that Kool-Aid, let them have it. One thing I want to touch on before we end this 100th episode segment is where we go from here. You know, what kind of things do you think needs additional emphasis in the future? What kind of things do you want to see happen? Where do you see IBC going, you know, as we approach 2022 uh, and beyond? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. <clears throat> I mean, I've learned quite a bit. You know, I'm very appreciative of the listeners and the participation. Um, you know, I've learned a lot mm -hmm. over the last couple of years. You know, creating um, content that's consumed by the general public, and it's helped me immensely grow. Uh, it's helped me, you know, clarify and even convey some of the ideas that I believe mm -hmm. and have learned. Um, and I expect that to continue, you know, and I think if, uh, if the markets remain, I see uh, great things ahead in the future. You know, I see that Nelson Nash's legacy is expanding, you know, more and more people are becoming exposed to this idea that you can become your own banker. And that's very exciting. And I'm excited to be a part of that. You know, uh, my commitment has always been to do my part. and I'm doing my part. Um, and I don't see a limit in the future. I see nothing but, but blue skies. I see it growing. The idea, the, the, uh, the discovery at the you and me level that you can become your own banker and why it matters. Mm -hmm. Because I believe people are inquisitive and they want to know the truth. Um, and then they're attracted to the truth when they see it. And I think it's like the, you know, the ripple in the water. When you throw a pebble in the water, the ripple effect, um, you cannot stop that. Right. So yeah. I'm very positive in the of my view of the future. You know, the only downside is, you know, what's going on in, in, in Australia and around the world, yeah. shutting down the you know, the, what the remaining quote unquote, reverting to market. a prison colony. Yeah. No, no question. Yeah. And I think that that's really a, a, a testing ground for what yeah. they would, they, the governments, you know, around the world would like to do, um, to their citizens. So 
But that's always going to be. It's always um, a threat. Yeah, always. State's always a threat. Nothing's really changed in form there. Just, well, I don't know. I think time. they're getting serious. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I but I, I have thought some too about you know I, I I have a lot more confidence. You know, Nelson. I've talked about this before. Nelson was an Austrian, and a lot of Austrians are big doomsdayers about inflation and all this. And oh, yeah. Nelson had the point about inflation that no prices haven't gone up. You know, you know, the things in which governments become involved in, the prices there have gone up. Sure, education, healthcare, welfare, and so on. Uh, but the price of bananas, the price of chicken breast is equal to or less than what it was 40, 50 years ago. Yep. You know, and that, that, that speaks to the fact that the uh, unspoken, unheard capitalist system that sits underneath and finances all of this corruption and profligacy uh, is really, is just tremendous. And, and we don't give it enough uh, recognition. We don't acknowledge how how tremendous the the, the rising standard of living is still becoming, uh, even in the midst of all of these. In fact, the severity of all the 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 impositions and the, you know the violations of property rights, the severity of those <laughs> state interventions, in a sense speaks to or reflects the fact that the market is so tremendous yes. and that we are in such a still such a great position in terms of general standard of living. And, you know, there's the stuff on free speech and, you know, if people have something to complain about, by God, they'll find a camera to talk about it. And, you know, I get it. This everything is so, social media and all the entities. But you know what? There was a company called Kodak once. Yeah. They've kind of disappeared off in the mist. And there, there have been all of these big name companies, these big corporations that, ever, you know, Standard Oil comes to mind. You know, all these companies that people thought would never go away and they're, they're monopolies. And, you know, lo and behold, a few years goes by, decades goes by, a generation or two goes by, and they're a distant memory. And it's, it's we struggle to even come up with them. You know, this country's fought through world wars. There's been a revolution in the past. Like, I think people forget how bloody the history has been. And we're complaining about a right. Facebook page getting taken down. Y'all, we got, these are first world problems, okay? And there's a few things that will remain the same. And so long as they remain the same, I agree with you. IBC is going to continue to flourish and, prof and, and become uh, more and more popular. You know, so long as our monetary system, so long as the Western world's monetary system is based on fractional reserve banking, I don't care if it's with the US dollar or what currency it is, SDRs or FDRs or Canadian dollars or whatever, so long as the banking system is one of fractional reserve, then we will have the business cycle. And so long as we have the business cycle, contemporary financial or conventional financial plans or philosophies will fail, right? The, the, the big old uh, cheerleaders, the evangelists for the stock market will continue to leave their congregation high and dry. It'll just be a matter of time before a 99 or an 08 comes around and wipes clean half of what someone's worth. So that will continue to stoke skepticism. People will continue to be, you know, if they're paying attention, they'll continue to be unsatisfied by that. And they'll continue to look for answers. Yes. You know, and the the more time goes by, the older this show gets, the 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 more instantiated, rooted, grounded it'll become. And the more visible, the more visible it'll be, you know, to, to those who have more shall be given. I think it'll be comp just like cash value over time. The growth <laughs> will be compounding, you it know, is. and it is. We've it seen is. it in our practices. It uh, I think it'll continue. So I'm very 
optimistic about the future. Uh, I don't participate in this doom and gloom, perennial negativity mindset that is so pervasive online and on television. Just turn that crap off, you know, and it's okay to just pay a premium and let cash value build. But you know, one thing I, I do want to get into more in the future is the, is the nonprofit or charitable giving space. You know, IBC, <laughs> oh IBC in the, in the, the nonprofit, I think that the, the nonprofit charitable giving arena is where a lot of social problems will be solved since the market, the for-profit space is hampered by the state in so many ways. I think there's a lot of things people can do on a charitable basis that are really in their own financial best interest. And then also paired with IBC, an IBC style financial management mindset that will be extremely tremendous. Uh, we don't get into it enough. I don't have enough clients who are either members of nonprofit charitable entities themselves or know people who are. So I think that's a whole frontier that's virtually unexplored at this point. And then as far as this show is concerned, we've mentioned it in passing in the past, but live streams and live events, yeah. I think will come at some point, you know, don't call me and ask about dates, but at some point <laughs> it's coming down the pike. Listen, I'm glad you brought that up. <clears throat> um, on several points, you know, I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist, but I think in the day and age that we live in, you better be aware. You better be paying attention of what the states are doing, right? There's a difference between the government and the state, right? Um, and you need to be aware, not only financially, mm -hmm. but you need to be aware of what they're doing so you'll know how to act or react mm -hmm. to the overreaching, ever expanding, um, tyrannical yeah. governments. Okay. And I believe with you, I agree with you that, you know, this is going to expand. It has to expand. And the more negativity is seen and that, and that we're aware of it, tells us that we need to do something. The same thing exists in the financial world. You know, uh, whenever you see what's going on, you will look for the solution. You will look for the truth. And this is a ground up construct. It's why the life insurance companies haven't told you the power that you have in dividend paying life insurance policies. That's the very reason that Wall Street hates oh. life insurance, right? Um and all of the narratives that they place in front of you, that the agent is bad because they earn commissions and they're not qualified to talk about anything financial because they're just salesmen selling products. Perfect. Whenever you are looking for the truth, you can find the truth. And this is the truth about money, in my opinion. And you, young Mr. Griggs, will be so excited to know uh, future guests that are coming that are knocking it out of the park yeah with nonprofits. oh oh no you, oh i can't wait <laughs> you, we, we haven't had the opportunity to to discuss that and then let me say too that uh you know talking about going things going on around the world i had a young family drive in this week from iowa Right now, her Jeez. mother does live in North Fort Worth, mm -hmm. so they're going to see her while they're here, but they drove down here to take delivery of their first policy. Oh, wow. And this young man is has an incredible story, an incredible story of um, 
you know, he, he was Swahili, lived in mm. Burundi, grew up in a 10-year concentration camp. Wow. I mean, comes over here, becomes an entrepreneur, goes through the boom and bust cycle a couple of times, partners filing bankruptcy. These are almost requirements for, you know, what, what you can hear when, when you have gone through a bankruptcy, when you have lost money in various endeavors, lost control, and and then gone through, oh, he even has a line of credit that, you know, was at a large amount, and then it was reduced. And then he got the letter, like all the other thousands of entrepreneurs across the country about a month ago, that says, you have 60 days, this line of credit will be closed. Close it up. Right. When you've gone through things like that, it is so easy to hear the truth. Mm. So, I mean, I'm just saying that um, going into the future, I'm so excited about the expansion of this idea and the people sharing, the more and more people that participate in this at the you and me level, they cannot not tell their story. And so if you give them a platform so others can hear, that's where it happens. Anyway. Very cool. Yep. Cool. Happy 100. Yep. Thanks for listening. I had fun. Good job, young man. Thank you. All right. That wraps up the 100th episode. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for commenting. I want to thank you for your participation in this podcast. Thank you for sharing us with your friends and your family. I mean, y'all are the best. The best listeners listen to this. You know, y'all, and I'm not patronizing you. Y'all are incredible, salt of the earth people. What you can expect in the future is uh, continued content, relevant content, created and shared in an educational and and entertaining way. You can expect more guests. That's what we do day in and day out is is, uh, engage with people that want to become their own banker. We help them have a whole team here that supports our clients that will help you get started becoming your own banker if that's what you wish to do. Um, if you're a professional and want to join our team, you email or call us. If you're local to the Alvarado Johnson County area, you're welcome to apply. We're expanding. You know, we, we've got nothing but a bright future, and and we need a bright future in the face of what's going on today in 2021. You know, if you don't do something to change your financial situation, to change the financial situation of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, who will? If you don't, who will? Right? And this is so much more than just buying and selling life insurance, right? You can become your own banker. You can control the banking function in your life. You can sever the dependency that is promoted by Wall Street in the financial services industry. You can be free and independent, literally. And without without financial freedom, there cannot be freedom. I mean, you think about that. So um, this idea that you can become your own banker is worth your investigation, right? It's a worthy idea, it's a worthy goal, and it's achievable. So we've had a lot of fun. You know, I've grown and I thank you for the opportunity for that growth that I've enjoyed and I've experienced. Y'all are some of the smartest people I know. So thank you for, you know, being friends. Thank you for being clients. Thank you for being listeners. Thank you for participating, as I said. 
Um, and we've got nothing but, you know, good things in the future. So if you're traveling anywhere near Fort Worth, Texas, give us a shout. Come by and meet us. All right. Come and see what goes on down here. Um, and, you know, we got a place for you if you want to be a guest on the on the podcast. You have that opportunity. So my heartfelt thanks. My heartfelt thank you to you for listening for sharing, for asking questions, for commenting, sharing us with your friends and your family. Thank you for spending your time with us. I appreciate it greatly. Okay, have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next Friday. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.